When the whole family comes together to watch the game, nobody wants to miss a second of the action to run to the grocery store. With Instacart, you can get all your weekly groceries in as fast as an hour. Less time shopping means more game time. Let's go. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum per order. Additional terms apply. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and the restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Previously on Gresh and Fourier. It depends on how hard you want to be hit. I don't know if that'll work. Are you going to create a monster? Well, he's into S&M. We've beaten him and now... <laughs> <laughs> whacking him with the thing. What if I end up liking him? Like, yeah, Billy, you go, Billy. Billy, one more time. You can't hit me any hotter. Billy, wear the lighthouse. Wear the lighthouse gummies. This is Gresh and Fourier. The Celtics with Dallas coming in here Friday. They're going to go a calendar year with no losses against their conference at home. 25 straight. And they win it tonight. Boston won 17.99, nine consecutive wins. Andy Gresh. When you guys win a game, when like the core metrics that you really focus on are flipped so far against you the other direction, what does that do for you? Like, learn. It's beautiful. Ways? Yeah, it's beautiful. Uh, like I said, it just gives us something to to study, gives us something to work on, and uh, grateful that uh, you know we were able to play that game. Christian Fourier. I'd say our pitch to free agents is: this is a new program, and we're we're heading in the right direction. It's a new era. We have leadership with Gerard Mayo that is going to be tremendous. You know, as we move forward with the new offense and defense, like it's going to be pretty special and exciting here. We're going to do this. It's going to be awesome. Gresh and Fourier right now. Apparently I'm big mean. Making fun of the Huggies. On WEEI. Well, we might have Joe Missoula within the next 15 minutes or so. So we just want to put that out there. We know a big event going on. Somebody in the Twitch chat wants me to chirp at Greg Hill for something that I'm unaware of. I will yell at Greg whenever. What they do? Uh, I don't know. I think it was uh, uh, Rob Hales having his, uh, what is it, shave the head and yeah, make yeah. money and all that stuff. Shave and the head and make, make money. money. That's really what it so is, So the Celtics right? are down there. That's why we may have a special guest. Uh, yeah, that's right. And uh, fingers crossed on that. We might uh, get to uh, talk to Joe Mazzula. We got a real busy day. Andy Hart will be with us at uh, 1220. We've also got Danny Green, three-time world champion in the NBA. He won with the Spurs, the Raptor, and the Lakers. Uh, Danny Green is the uh, Odyssey's newest NBA insider. He'll be with us at 1 o'clock to talk about the team that, well, is speaking to Joe Mazzulla and then Danny Green in the NBA. Celtics handled the 76ers last night, 117-99, but the score for you was not indicative of the way the game was really played. No, it was a, it was an interesting game because I guess the biggest thing you can take from that is the lack of threes. For, for a team that relies so heavily on three-point shooting and the fact that Nick Nurse 
and the Philadelphia 76ers decided they weren't going to let them take those shots, or they're going to make it really challenging, make it much harder. Mm-hmm. And, then, you know, no Joel Embiid in the middle, and they just decided to attack the middle, attack the paint. Well, I, I think the comment after the game from Joe Missoula that we're about to hear now kind of adds up a little bit because you mentioned there was no Embiid. So Nick Nurse is one of those guys in the NBA who can coach. I think there are some guys in the NBA who just kind of roll out the balls. And then there are some guys who, oh, my best player's down? Let me do things a little different. Let me try to do some things different defensively. Oh, Tyrese Maxey's hot? Let's just keep feeding him the ball. Nurse gets it. But after the game, Joe Mazzulla talked about why it was a big win, and it ties into Fourier what you just talked about. This game was probably one of our best games of the year uh, and really gives us from the standpoint of we were able to win a different way and this game showed a template of how uh, teams are going to guard us and it gives us another thing to practice. I thought our guys uh, did a great job. So I thought it was interesting. Even uh, Christoph uh, Porzingis, they talked to him, I think, after the first quarter and they were saying, hey, how's it going out there? He's like, ah, oh, you know, we're just trying to figure it out and figure them out. And he's like, I don't even know if they know what they're doing, you know, because it was a challenge. It was different for them. Yeah, yeah, it was different for both teams. And, you know, I like the fact that he admitted, listen, we're just not really sure what they're doing yet. We've got to figure it out. And, of course, they did. He had a monster game. Jalen Brown had a monster game. And I just looked to the, uh, to the three-pointers because that's always been, when you think about, the, the Celtics, they they put up a lot of threes. They make a lot of threes, mm-hmm. and they can take over a game pretty quickly. Two for 11 in the first half, three for 11 in the second, a t- five of 22. That's got to be a uh, an all-time low for them as far as three-pointers made and attempted. Well, that's why it was such a good-slash-interesting win because the Celtics' athleticism was on full display last night, and it felt like... There was never a time that Jalen Brown couldn't get to the hole if he wanted to. It felt like just give JB the ball and he'll find his way to the rim because you had Bamba in there for a little bit and he was somewhat of an inside presence, but it clearly wasn't like having Embiid in there. And I thought Jalen Brown was the one who really adapted his game last night. And if you look at it, 11 of 14 from the field for JB, he took two three-pointers. I think, really, Christian, when Jalen Brown is right, the way he played last night is when he's at his best. It's not hucking threes. It's more of pump fake dribble drive or use that athleticism to be able to get to the middle and make something happen. Yeah, and and when when you're attacking the rim like they were, you get free throw opportunities. And they attempted 37. Mm -hmm. And they were all getting extra opportunities, which almost like – you know, made up for the fact that they weren't hitting any threes. They kept getting to the line, kept getting to the line. I think Brown was, what, 8 of 11? 8 of Well, uh, Tatum shot 11, Porzingis shot 12, Brown shot 10. And between the three of them, there were uh, three misses in total. Porky Porzingis went 12 of 12 from the line. Yeah, this is the... Uh uh, he's got such a good shot, though. When I watch it, he's oh, got a poor Zingas. Oh, yeah, he's just so smooth. You, well, you understand why Brad Stevens wanted him, because is he Nikola Jokic? No, but he's a unicorn unto himself, which makes him that much more difficult with Tatum and Brown to be able to deal with. Like, to me, Philly really had very little answer for Porzingis last night. And I know we just praised Jalen Brown up and down, and we're talking about Porzingis, but, you know, Hidden in last night, Fourier, was one of the nights that Jason Tatum and his teammates have kind of talked about. 
We take for granted almost that Tatum scored 29 points, had 11 rebounds and 8 assists. That's an MVP-type night last night, and it's not being pumped up. I mean, you know, on uh, on national TV right now, they're talking about the ending of that Cleveland-Dallas game and how that went sideways instead of the, which is why everybody kind of needs to talk about it. Last night was a night where if you wanted to say, that's why this guy should be the MVP, you put on the tape of this game with Jason Tatum. I think a couple things need to happen, and... So now is where you really kind of make your statement for the MVP. And I think a couple things need to happen. The schedule sets up perfectly because you're going to be playing against some of the best in the NBA. And uh, some of those guys are top top five for the – or top – NBA candidates, right? Top five NBA candidates, right? MVP candidates. MVP candidates. So you're going to play Dallas. Oh, you had a stroke on almost, me on the almost, air there. That yeah. was, I, I see your ankles hurting. So, uh, so you're going to play Dallas, um, and you'll have, uh, um, what's his face? Luca. Luca. Okay, you'll play Steph. He's not up for MVP, but it's it's a legacy type thing. Uh, Donovan Mitchell for the Cavs. Uh, Jokic right there. Yep. And then you play the Suns with uh, Kevin Durant and a cast of characters. The other thing that needs to happen is, you see everybody else kind of politicking for Jason Tatum. Mm-hmm. I think, and I hope we get him on the phone. It would be great to kind of ask him this. Is I, I, I do wonder if he's aware of that MVP. Because they're saying that they're not focusing on it. It's all about the team play. It's all about hockey. we got to be pr- focused. I wonder when he, Joe Mazzula, will start kind of throwing in some, hey, did you see what he did? Hey, hey, not everybody can do this. Hey, look at his plus minus, his best in the league. Hey, look at this. Hey, without him, we couldn't do this. Like, I know those guys have are averaging, you know, four or five more points than him, but holy crap, we couldn't do anything. This guy is special. Best player on the best team. Look how many, uh, I mean, look how many games ahead we are of Cleveland. I wonder if, like, him, Wick, Brad Stevens, oh, yeah. all start kind of, okay, is it time to... Kind of say something now, also to kind of because it is kind of like a, you are kind of politicking a little bit. And oh yeah, kind of, there is some gamesmanship. I feel like this next stretch of four games is when you should see it. This is no different than election season. Yeah, you're going to go out and you're going to stump for your guy. And I think for Tatum, it is keep handling business the way you did last night. Was a very easy example to say. Here's why this guy should be considered the MVP. And you just watch that game and you see. He scored when he needed to, was really good on the glass. I thought he was good at distributing the ball as well. Like last night was one of those real, you know, hey, he had an empty canvas and he he damn near painted a Picasso. But uh, I will, I can't be as baritone as, as Tatum. But I'll give you the, yeah, everybody's aware. Absolutely everybody over there is aware. I think it's a part of the reason why Porzingis came out and said what he did. Um, will we get the full-throated endorsement from Jalen Brown on the, yeah, Tatum should be the MVP? Because I don't think... I didn't I, even think about that I angle. I think he's kind of mentioned it, but uh. has, like Porzingis has come out and said, hey, you know, I've mentioned how Drew Holiday sacrifices kind of the same for, for Tatum. Like, mm. we, we've we heard Missoula. Yep. We've heard Porzingis. Not threatened. But, but will we get the... I'm going to sit in front of everyone hear me now and then give the full-throated endorsement of JT. That that is interesting because it, because they're those two are always kind of tied together and who's better than who. And it's kind of been universally understood that 
Tatum is better and more important, even though Jalen Brown has almost just as many memorable moments in the regular season or in the postseason, really. But Tatum's the guy. So I wonder if Brown could bring himself to say it, right? With mm-hmm. can, can he bring himself to say it? Because he's achieved everything except the championship. Uh, you know, that's that's it. He's got the money. He's got the reputation. He's on a great team. He's been to the All-Star game. Can he bring himself to say, guys, if you think I'm good, I'm just a shadow to this dude. Like, he is so important. You guys don't understand what make how important he is to us. I don't think he can do it. I'm, I don't know. I I lean towards where you're at. I, I really wonder, because that would go a long it way. It would. Like, Porzingis... People will be like, ah, he just got there. Give it a year. You know, they'll be the cynics, even though Porzingis has said he is in love with Boston and really likes being here. But that would be the one, because Tatum can only stump for himself so much. Now with what? And he's got to be real slick about it. Like, Oh, yeah. It's like somebody has to ask him a question. It has to be... You know, one of those things where he's kind of forced to address it and do it in the most with the most humility possible. And that's the key, too, because I think there was a period of time a couple of years ago before we really started to feel like, oh, this could be a dynasty where I thought Tatum was cart before the horse talking about stuff like this. Now Tatum's hand is stamped. He's a first league all or a first team all NBA guy. He's a multiple time All Star. He's won the MVP in the All Star game. This is kind of the next step, but he got to do it by a playing your ass off like he did last night and getting some people to maybe stump for you. And I think you make a really good point. You know, we got about six weeks left in the regular season. So, final two weeks, it'll be interesting to see. Some teams will be motivated to play their way into the bottom of the bracket. The Celtics might be able to be like, okay, we can start to rest people a little more. But you know what else? Because stuff is sewn up. But this run over the next 10 days, starting on March 1st, I think you make a really good point, is that now the chirping has started, and if Tatum tears it up against these teams for two weeks... Now there will be more people that will be pushing for and you know him. you know when uh you know when everybody else on the team is okay with you stat hunting right like you're getting your you know uh, getting all your bonuses is towards the end of the season. Gronk, I need a touchdown. Yeah, to get so a you million. got but it's different. Like for, for a football player to be one game, right, for right? Two catches maybe. For in basketball, maybe six games, right? And all he needs to do is get that average up. To where it's at the top with uh, all the other stars in the league. So he's got to get it up there, you know, to 32 points per game. Like, that's he's got to get it somewhere near he where he was last year. And no one's going to sit there and go, oh, well, those are garbage points. Oh, he's just padding his stats. No. Well, if it's all about, you know, uh, most points and averages, then he's got everything. He's got He's the best player on the best team with the highest points per game average. Amongst other things. Amongst other things, exactly. And plays big in big moments, yeah. too. You know, there there's that part of it of being a uh, a superstar and potentially an MVP. 617-779-7937. Uh, we are on hold for, uh, not on hold, but we're on watch for a Celtic to possibly join us here uh, before 11 o'clock. But... Gerard Mayo did a little impromptu press conference this morning with the assembled media out in Indianapolis, and one point was very clear. We'll tell you about it. Gresh and Fourier on WEEI.
yeah, I would say our pitch to free agents is, you know, this is a new program and we're, we're heading in the right direction. It's a new era. We have leadership with Gerard Mayo that is going to be tremendous. Like he's, he's just an unbelievable leader and developer of people. And I think that, you know, as we move forward with the new offense and defense, like it's going to be, it's going to be pretty special and exciting here. That is Elliot Wolf talking about the pitch to free agents, Gerard Mayo, a part of it said a lot of nice things about Gerard Mayo. 1022 Gresham Fourier here with you. Still on uh, hold potentially for uh, Joe Missoula. Uh, they're uh, raising money for Boston Children's Hospital at the 11th Annual Saving by Shaving. Apparently Drew Holiday just got the old uh, buzz cut as uh, well. I think our uh, boss, Ken Laird, volunteered. It Wait, Drew a, Holiday shaved his a, head? Took about, uh, I, think it, I think Ken's shave took about 11 seconds. Well, they just have to do the rim, right? Yeah, just that's the really it. There's yep. nothing just in the Just the, the horseshoe pattern. Just zip that down, and there you go. Wow, Drew Holiday, huh? Yeah, how about... Because uh, he's got dreads, doesn't he? How about that? Uh, got to get him off the ground more for blocks. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. Helps with the Billy wow. Block party, no question. That's a guy that was probably like, listen, I'm kind of sick of these dreads anyways. Let me just get rid of them. Because if you grow dreads... If you're if you're a dreadlock guy, like it takes forever to get them like as long as his are. What were uh, when was the the most painful experience of you shaving your dreadlocks at some point? I never had fifty three years of life. I'm trying to grow my hair so I can get braids like Wiggy. Oh yeah, I'm trying to get. I'm gonna go to uh, Wiggy's like. Uh, yeah, I gotta say, you are sprouting now. <laughs> I, I mean, you're ready for the spring grow. It's not even as bad as it was during COVID. Like during COVID, it was. I just stopped trying. <laughs> really, I just, I just stopped trying. Else. I yeah, just, I just yeah. stopped trying. I didn't even care. Yeah, I've been shaving in two weeks. You either. know Look what? At this. I had a. Uh, that's two weeks. Yeah. Oh my god. What are you? Like, uh, two weeks? Are you like down? No, are you like no. down to the ground? Oh, uh, it would be much. It, it would be more the mustache. It would be way fluffy. I have to trim the mustache pretty consistently, even if it's just like trying to keep it away from my lips or whatever. But oh yeah, it'll poof out. The uh, it, it, it kind of like your hair. My <laughs> oh, mustache really? would kind of poof if I don't sort of. Uh, I take can't care put enough it. product in my hair to keep it down, dude. You know what it is? <laughs> I found a photo, and we're gonna get back to Gerard Mayo because we were kind of joking around. It's like, boy, two months on the job, uh, maybe Mayo's added a couple pounds. Like, oh yeah, like we know it's like yeah. his version it, of the freshman fifteen. Uh, well, it's exactly it's, what it's it like is. being the president. You know, yeah, yeah. like what Obama looked like, and then what he looked like when he left. All these presidents. They look like hell. And uh, I found a photo of me like either 10 or 11 years ago. I had no gray. I had a tiny bit of gray in my beard. Now I look like sh- stressed out <laughs> crazy man because of all the gray in my beard managing Why my you colorless people. Would you color it? No, I do and have. Uh, it's frowned upon. In my house. Oh, so the wife likes the old uh, yeah, executive you know look. We'll she, call it the executive look. She knows I have to do what I have to do for TV season and the whole, like, I will color it in probably a couple of times and then just sort of let it kind of wean out a little bit and try to get to the, uh, like, the Brett Favre point. Yeah. The problem is I go right to Santa in the middle with the white on the beard, and that's what I'd like to dye, but, you know. It looks like, like Ed Reed. It, it, yeah, what's really funny is that, Women will go get their hair colored all the time. Yeah. And even if it's just from blonde to blonder or whatever, right? Yeah. But me throwing a little bit of color in my beard, it was it was uh, incredibly frowned upon. 
Really? Yeah. I was a little surprised too, but she's I know, a creature of habit. No, but I know how to do it and all <laughs> that, including uh, my uh, my girl uh, Stacy down at Salon Prov gave me this uh, little uh, container thing. It almost was like a water bottle where you can mix up your stuff and then you're like. And you like squirt it in there. Yeah, what, what's that like? Something for men, it. whatever. Like, no, 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 no. Just no, go no. to I'm Walgreens. Not no, no, no. Then you're then you end up. Uh, yeah, then you end up looking like um, I'm trying to. Th- who was the guy in ACDC that had the issue dying dying his hair? I can't remember. But no, then you look like a rock star who's like. Like, oh, here's Mick Jagger at 80 years old. How come his hair's jet black? You're like, what? <laughs> I don't want to look like that. You know what? You can tell those whole uh, uh, rinse-in formulas on uh, announcers. I think you can really tell. Baseball really? announcers. Oh, the, baseball. The, the basketball announcers and stuff as well. Dan Plesak on the MLB Network. Every beginning of the season comes in, and in his hair is jet black. Yep. It's borderline obnoxious. And then... Like, and I then, look at it and sarcastically go, oh, what is he, 25, 26 years old? And then, like, a month later, you're like, oh, that's that's they old like man. Da- yeah, right. It's like, oh, that guy pitched in the 80s. Now I'm remembered. Yeah, he's got the... Forget the salt and pepper. It's just a straight skunk. I feel like Plesak might have been one of those guys that stretched over three decades. Like, started in the mid-80s, made it through the 90s, and then... I don't know, Jamie moyered his way for one year in like 2000 to hit the third decade or something. Like he's one of those guys who's been around forever. 86 but, to 03. There we go. So, and I uh, no wonder why he needs the hair dye. You know why? Left hander. Oh, lefty. There you go. Oh, that's true. Yeah. We're uh, trying to teach uh, every young kid around here <sighs> throw with your left hand because if you hit. You got a job for life, for crying out loud. All right, the job Gerard Mayo's doing, I think we know that everyone has said things are going to be different. Uh, and even yesterday with Elliot Wolf, you know, uh, we had Tom Kern on yesterday, and even he was like, okay, now we can maybe start to back off of this a little bit. But that didn't happen today. <laughs> because, as you can imagine, Gerard Mayo was asked about all of this. Let me, before we even get to the Mayo quotes, have the Patriots in the giddiness of, yay! He's gone! Yep. Have they created a story themselves because of their own giddiness? Yep. I'm telling you, like, I think, I, I think, uh, two things, like, like the way the dynasty is being perceived, I think they didn't anticipate that. Um, and, and this, Mm-hmm. Like, you know, uh, being excited about the job, it's an obvious uh, new era. Uh, it's like all new philosophy, all new way of thinking. And, yeah, even before Kern said it yesterday, I was like, geez, okay, we get it. Like, every single question involves some sort of jab at the way things were, how badly it was. And I tell you the one, the worst slash best one yep. from yesterday in Elliot Wolf was the whole uh, hard-ass vibe it is so apparently that comment was made after the public comments at the podium. We were trying to time code this thing because Elliot Wolf started talking at 10 o'clock yesterday. Yeah. So he went a little longer than like 15 minutes. And if you see a lot of the timestamps on the tweets, when Elliot Wolf did say we're going to have less of a hard ass vibe, it was about eight minutes. 
or eight or nine minutes after that public press conference ended yesterday for Elliot Wolf. So I'm kind of assuming that 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 was told to the group of local reporters because I haven't really seen anybody nationally pick up on it. So maybe Elliot Wolf was savvy enough to be like, yeah, I'm not going to say this here, but with the locals where you know the message is going to be sent, he then mentioned the whole less of a hard ass vibe, which so what does that mean? So it's a soft ass vibe? No, that the like, no, you think about it, it just it was just such a weird comment. Hard ass vibe. Like almost like you could see them sitting around on their desk in offices. So there he goes. This, this guy thinks he's the most important guy in the world. Look at this guy. Team sucks. We can't win any games. He, he picked a stupid quarterback. We had to act like we were agreeing with him. Look at this dude. Like, that's the hard-ass vibe? I mean, maybe, and, and that was probably him trying to kind of, you know, sugarcoat it, you know, and try to, like, uh, you know, dress it up a little bit so mm-hmm. it wouldn't be so obvious. No, that's a weird, weird. So, finally, I think he did. So, Mayo actually responded to that? What did he do? Well, Did he what, address it? So, when Mayo was asked about the past and it, it's like, hey, Y'all are piling on, you know, basically. Uh, Mark Daniels transcribed the answer. Here's what Mayo said. Quote, look, it's going to be different. At the same time, I would say Bill did a great job for a long period of time. I don't want you guys to take this as because we're changing shots at the previous regime. In saying that, we will do it differently. It'll feel different. But at the end of the day, we would like to replicate the success the prior regime had. <laughs> yeah, so would everybody. I learned a lot from Bill and also his staff, but now we'll see what this chapter looks like in the franchise. Uh, Mayo did go on to say, I feel confident about our plan to really turn this ship around. Honestly, the way I think about this stuff, it's been done a certain way at a high level for, what, 20 years I would also say there's one way to skin a cat. It worked for Coach. We'll see what works for Elliot and myself. Elliot and myself, because that's the new tag team then officially, right? You know, so we talked about uh, Macro yesterday. Mm-hmm. The official tag team. These two guys are joined at the hip. Um, Grow. I mean, sorry, Elliot Wolf and Gerard Mayo. Um, see, there's a part of it where I'm like, yeah, obviously, every time he ends up at a new place, somebody asks him about it. You haven't heard from Elliot Wolf yet. He talks about it. But they're just so eager to kind of, you know, remove themselves from the past. Like that, I, We all know it's going to be a different. All right. So here's one of those things that I want to run by you because Bill would always do the I'm not talking about the past because it doesn't matter. Would it help them here? I really wonder, uh, in all honesty, 617-779-7937, isn't this what people wanted? When people would complain about Bill, Bill would just be like, it does us no good to look in the past, we're moving on. So the guys who were around that forever make the mistake of the, oh, let me talk about the past and end up creating a story. Do you think fans are happy about all this? Because in a way... Isn't this what some people were screaming? Ah, Bill, he's such a troglodyte. He doesn't say anything at the podium. He treats everybody like crap, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so now this is the sunshiny polar opposite, and I wonder how many people are really like, yeah, this is what I wanted. 
I wanted to I I wanted them to inadvertently kind of take shots at 20 years of success that made me really giddy and happy as a fan. No, uh, this is what you want, and you were going to be open. You wanted to include the media. You wanted to be, you know, that relationship to be better. You're not going to mock them or, you know, <laughs> or just be jerks to them or be dismissive to them. Like in the Twitch chat, TJ Ingerson says, are they talking about the past? They're just talking about how they're going to be different. I don't know. When you say less of a hard-ass vibe, you could just focus on your own vibe you want to build, not take <laughs> shots at the one that used to be there. Yeah, I just think, I, you know, I, this one thing does stand out, though, the farther we get away from uh, the mutual parting of the ways, is how there absolutely were silos, and Elliot Wolf created one of those silos. Ooh, that's, wow, I, say that again, please. Well, that's, that's what it feels like. Because he's obviously, because when you, I, I, you tell me though, the whole hard ass vibe is something you keep in your back pocket. And it's something I would say to you, you know, man, this guy, look at this chump. This guy thinks he's such a badass. And, and but you know, and just walking around, and then now we're in charge. It's like you know what? I got to express that. But all I've been doing is talking about what a hard ass this guy thinks he is, and how he rocks around like you know, yelling. Everybody's running away from him. It's like the male version of the devil wears Prada. It does make you wonder when that report came out about Mayo rubbing people the wrong way. Was some of that the murmurings of the like you, this guy, damn it, or you know, hey, uh, we're gonna get Brad Stevens here in mere moments. By the way, according to uh, Ken Laird, but when I look at it and I just think of the uh, again, there's the hey, we're different than the past. They haven't focused on the future, and it it feels like there was that straight-up line of demarcation. No, we must draw the line in the sand here to be able to say that, no, this is our organization now, and we're taking over. All you have to do is just focus on the future because really, and I don't know, tell me if I'm wrong, the buzz of the number three pick should be palpable. And instead, it feels like we're revisiting history because of jabs, subtle or otherwise, that had been sort of taken at Bill Belichick. So this is gonna like, happen. Don't right you, now, huh? Like, don't you think the don't you think the fun or some of the buzz out of having the number three pick has kind of been sucked out of this in part? Because we're focusing on what was and how everybody is talking about what was. No, they just got there. The players just showed up. They haven't even started running yet or doing any drills. We'll, that'll start tomorrow, and then we'll have it all throughout the weekend and in, uh, into next week. So, no, I don't think so at all. Like, this is, this is the story for well, the next year, though. No, but if they stop talking about it now, then uh, then I'm with you. Because at some point, they're going to have to stop talking about, the, again, hard-ass vibe. My God. Like, what? It, 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 who's the, That's a clear shot. Oh, absolutely. That's a firing squad yeah. shot. <laughs> a direct hit, uh, too. Joining us now on the uh, Harbor One hotline, uh, Andy's going to join us on Zoom as well. Uh, and it is, uh, it's from the, uh, raising money for Boston children's hospital, the 11th annual oh. saving by shaving. He is the, uh, the head man, the chief cook bottle washer. And look at that high wow. and tight on Brad Stevens. 
Brad, it's Gresham Fourier here uh, back up in uh, Brighton, and I, I'm sure you have been told you are a young-looking <laughs> man. Now you have just shaved 20 years off of your look. You look like you're about fresh out of school, for crying out loud. That is beautiful. That, that was probably the last time I had this cut. Um, <laughs> was about 20 years ago. But, uh, but obviously, awesome cause and happy to do it. I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit uh, taken back because this is the first time I've seen it. I'm looking at the, the computer screen. Oh, right you're looking at yourself. With the Zoom. So, um, yeah, pardon me if I'm stumbling. <laughs> well, didn't, didn't Drew Holiday cut his hair also? No, Drew was a guest barber. Oh, okay. Oh. Yeah, so Drew Drew took care of Joe's hair. And, you know, I encouraged Drew to be as creative as he wanted to be. <laughs> and, you know, he in typical Drew fashion, he just did his job and did it well and, um, you know, didn't bring any of the extra flair. Okay. I was thinking maybe you could treat it like a, like a rookie hazing you know, haircut where you just do one big line right down the middle and then send him on his way. Joe and I are the rookies. <laughs> <laughs> so, therefore, no rookie hazing. Yeah, uh, right. uh, Brad, your team has performed remarkably this year. There's been a lot of talk about Jason Tatum in terms of winning the MVP. To me, last night was one of those games if somebody needed to be convinced Hey, why is this guy an MVP? I thought last night's performance is one of those games that you can sort of flip on. You have seen this guy from an 18-year-old to where he is at right now. What are some of the things to your trained basketball eye that really stand out to you about the maturity and the growth of Jason? Well, Jason's been a stud ever since he came into the league. Obviously, you knew that it was going to be a, a path of growth um, that he was going to take because he takes care of himself. He has a routine. He works really hard. You know, all of those types of things. And, you know, I, I always kind of harken back to this. You know, we're, we're injured his first year in the playoffs, and we're playing Philly, who is really good, and, and, and every play we're calling – in the third and fourth quarter seems to be for Jason Tatum, who's a you know, 19-year-old rookie. And so he's just been doing it for a long time. Um, all he's done is win. Obviously, we all want to um, be standing there at the end to do something we haven't done with this group. But, um, you know, this guy has, by the time he's you know 25 years old, has done stuff that very few people have done. And um, he should be in any conversation. Listen, there's great players all over the league. And, you know, just like I've said when I vote for all-star stuff, you know, um, when I was coaching, the winning part really matters. And so um, the good news is, is, you know, this is a huge talking point outside of our building. It's not a huge talking point in our building. You know, we're very focused on just trying to get better. We all want to be the last team standing. We all know that there's a lot in front of us to do that. And, you know, part of the reason we have a chance to do that is because we've got, you know, several really good players um, and a guy who has a real chance at the MVP. Yeah, and, and I know it, it seems like the messaging with you guys, Brad, is, uh, is you know, being compartmentalizing it and not letting any of the outside noise affect you guys. But I am curious if you think Tatum is, uh, you know, held to a different standard based on the team that he's on. Um, I have no idea because I don't really pay attention to all that stuff. I think, listen, I think the, the, the way, I think what sometimes gets lost in the shuffle is when you look at, 
and him and Jalen are right 25 and 26. Or they're going to turn 26, or Jalen may have turned 27. But they're what they've done in their first few years before hitting their prime is rare air, right? And I think that that's something because of how far they've been. There's going to be more scrutiny. There's going to be more eyes and all the stuff that comes with that, and that's just part of it. So um, if if he's held to a different standard, it's because he set the bar for it. You know, it's not because, you know, people are looking at him as anything more than a guy that, you know, they've watched be awesome for a long time, and, you know, um, and he's done an amazing job. And But his he'd be the first to tell you, and, you know, I don't pay attention to everything he says in the media, but I'm guessing that he would be the first to tell you that, for him, it's about winning in June. Brad Stevens is with us. Um, what is more fulfilling for you, standing on the sideline, coaching a great team, or sitting up on the 11th floor watching the great team you put together? Well, in college, you do both. Um, and you get to, you get a chance to, to, to really be, obviously, uh, the decision maker on putting it together and coaching it. Um, I think one of the things that every college coach would tell you is they don't get to spend enough time on basketball. They don't get enough to spend enough time thinking about coaching their team. It's probably like 10 or 15% of their time. And, and I think that that's a, that's a real thing. And it's a reason why there aren't a lot of people that hold that dual title in basketball um, of president or, or GM and coach just because it's such a, it's such a task. Both are such tasks. Um, there are benefits and um, cons to both. And you take great joy in watching, um, you know, the team that you're a part of go through the challenges that the season presents. I think that the thing in coaching is you're just in it. Like, you're so in it. You're so in the weeds of it. You're in every play. You're in every um, design. You're in every up and down. Here you're taking more of a 10,000-foot view. And I think the 10,000-foot view maybe allows you to appreciate the people you're with even more all the time. You know, and I think that that's – that's something that I've really tried to do. I, I just appreciate. I, I've loved watching our coaching staff work. I've loved watching our team um, continue to get better, and I loved watching them, you know, be very intent on continuing to get better um, because that's what we have to do. Both of them have a lot of positives, though. Um, when you're sitting here and you get to be a part of a team, you know, Brad. Uh, um, you know, Joe Mazzulla has grown out a lot of people. Just you know, the, the way he coaches, the the way he claps back at. You know, reporters, specifically Kerry Washburn, like those two guys have a fun little relationship going back and forth. But curious on your end, um, what did you what do you know about him now as a coach that you didn't know when he was assistant? Boy, I mean, I've known him for a long time. Um, he, he, he joined our G League staff in like 14 or 15 Um he was in the locker room next to us as a player in the Final Four in 2010 when we were when Butler and West Virginia were both there. Um, and I didn't know him, but I had watched him close. Um, I used to do a roundtable with 50 college coaches and, and people from different industries that would come in and speak for you know 36 hours in the early fall so that we could all kind of get our wheels turning to start a season. And he was one of the young coaches that had caught everybody's attention that we invited to speak and we all left blown away even more so i would say that um nothing has surprised me um he is uh he he, listen he's a he's a ultra competitor he is a lifelong learner 
Um, he's not afraid. You know, he's got a lot of the great qualities that you need to be a good coach. And um, and he's really good on both sides of the ball. I mean, we've had really good success, um, you know, with him leading the way. Brad, I want to follow up on Christian's question from this end. You're the president of basketball operations, and all of us, when we talk about this team, talk about the Jimmys and the Joes and the team that you put together. But you clearly identified something in Joe Missoula that you liked. Is that easy for you to see? Like, you're the president of basketball ops. Not only do you need players, but coaches as well. Like, how do you know when you've got somebody like a Joe Missoula where you're like, you know what? that guy's going to be pretty good like what stands out to you to say oh that guy is going to be a a head coach somewhere someday well when he took over it was obviously a really hard situation and um and you know obviously in that moment um you know there are a lot of qualified people in in the building but i think the, the the he's just such a great leader he's good at galvanizing the room uh, he knows the game on both ends of the floor. He sees the game in real time, which I think is a important, you know, thing. And um, and he just does a great job. And um, you know, I think that. Listen, I'm not I'm not the best cap guy in the world. I, I I'm not Mr. Analytics. Um, I'm not you know um, probably qualified to do any of our nutrition or sports science or any of that stuff. But I guess my professional background is in coaching. <laughs> so. If I, uh, I I hope that I, um, you know, at least can see a good coach and know a good coach when we see one. So last one for me, Brad. Um, Porzingis, um, again, having a great year. Awesome. Is this how you kind of envisioned his kind of place on the team? I say, like, everybody benefits from what he can do. Like, tons of assists. I mean, it's just everything he does makes everybody better. Yeah, and I think uh, the other part is I think he can keep getting better. Uh, and I think that that's a huge emphasis for our whole team. I mean, individually, we all should be, you know, focused on that. Collectively, we should be focused on that. But I saw a couple plays defensively, especially in the third quarter where he switched on the guard yesterday. He made it a lot harder. Like, he's he's doing some things that I think – I just think he can continue to grow. And, you know, I, I don't think – when these guys are in their 20s or early 30s or, shoot, Al Horford's 37, I don't think we should put ceilings on where they can go as far as getting better and improving. Um, and and so he has done that throughout the course of his career. I'm not surprised that he's had a huge impact on our team, and I'm not surprised that he keeps getting better as the year goes on. Uh, he's still, you know, he's, he's another guy that really age-wise is, in a lot of ways, just entering his prime. And so I think that um, – you know he's got he's he had a huge impact, but I think it could just go up. Um, at the 11th annual Saving by Shaving, raising money for Boston Children's Hospital, uh, the of course the uh, president of basketball operations, Brad Stevens, with us now. One other thing before we let you out of here, we mentioned the haircut at the beginning. Did uh, obviously Rob Hale tied into Celtics ownership, all that. Did you let your wife know? that this was happening or like when you walk through the door i don't know if your wife will go full name on you if you've done something you know bradley kent stevens what did you do are you going to get one of those today or did she clear this buzz cut for you 
Tracy and I have been married for 20 years. We have two kids and a dog. I'm fifth in our house. Like she could care less what I what I do with my right, hair. So enough. I think I think we're all. I can do whatever. I can oh. do whatever. So it, I don't I don't think this will be a big test. Um, she, you know, I, I've known all along that I wasn't, you know, in her eyes, the best looking guy in the world. So that's okay. Okay. How we'll, will, we'll will, will your kids give you the business for the shave down? I'll get. I'm sure I will. I'm sure I'll get a little bit of that, but. Um, they know why I'm here. They know it's for a great cause. And we all, you know, we've all visited Boston Children's. We all love oh. Boston Children's. And, you know, shaving off some hair for Boston Children's is a no-brainer. I love it. I love it. Well, you win the championship. you got to shave it again for the parade. Nah. you got to find a way to stand out like Fourier did with the Patriots, except <laughs> yours won't be slurred words, Brad Stevens. Thanks a bunch. We appreciate the time. And uh, you look great. Hopefully we yeah, get to talk like to you it. down the road. All right, guys. Be well. There we go. Brad Stevens, he is the uh, president of basketball operations with the uh, Celtics. And you cannot tell me he does not. He looks not, 12. He looks like. He, he looks like somebody brought their son. It's unbelievable. He's 40. This guy he, runs in charge of the Celtics. He's 47. He's uh, Benjamin Button. Yeah. Like, seriously, he does not age. It's unbelievable. I don't know. I feel like maybe we should try the same thing. If we just shaved our head and shaved, Christian, maybe we would look. If you shaved your beard, there, you would look. Technically, you oh, would look younger. Oh, whoa, oh, oh. whoa. Beard? Okay, beard. fine. I'm not touching my hair. How many valleys and, you know, nooks and crannies would we see in your head if we shaved it? I, it happened <laughs> uh, one time. I was 19. A guy who played on our team, Frank Romano, bs Oh, I could do fades. No, it was oh, terrible. God. And it ended up, uh, and that's, so. Yeah, the so college there, haircut. So there are maybe uh, 25 roadie Rams that are still around who may have seen it. And uh, one then I'm sure when you eventually meet Nelson, you'll get all the secrets, and then I'm screwed, including the photos of me with haircut. All right, perfect. That's what we're looking for. No, 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 we're not. No, no, no. We'll talk more sports next. You can watch the show anytime via our live stream on Twitch. Just go to twitch.tv slash BostonWEEI and check out WEEI on YouTube for our video on demand content updated daily. Now, more of Gresh and Fourier on WEEI. So just quickly to kind of wrap up the uh, Gerard Mayo discussion from uh, earlier this morning. Here's another uh, poll quote from Mayo. Uh, Mayo was asked, uh, Elliot said, meaning Elliot Wolf, Elliot said yesterday, you guys want to weaponize the offense. What does that look like to you? Answer. It just looks like putting people on the offensive side of the ball that the defense has to prepare for, whether that's double teaming or anything like that. But that's what he means by that. Okay, yeah. So, uh, uh, so a wide receiver that can stretch the field. Well, he said it. Yeah. So a guy that a defense has to kind of really be nervous about. So you're looking for a Justin Jefferson type. You're looking for a fast, speedy, a Jamar Chase. You're looking for that guy. That's that's what he's talking about. A guy that can take the top off the defense. Um, or somebody should have asked him, like, what does a modern-day offense mean to you? Ask that question. Oh, yeah. What well, does a modern offense mean? You know, what does that mean? We, we heard the thing from Elliot Wolf about Gerard Mayo being a developer of people. I know. That's another can one. I, can I ask you who? I'm glad you brought that up. That one stood out to me, too. Was it? Is that the direct quote? Developer of people are just... 
or oh men. no, it was, it was at the, It was. I, I do believe it was at the very end of of what we played earlier. Nick, I don't know if you could uh, bring that back real quick, but it yeah, develop. I thought it was I developer right. of people. Yeah, but he's just an unbelievable leader and developer of people. Yeah, yeah, Ooh. good recall. Yeah, give me the based on you know, what? Do you based know, on what? Do you know the guy that Gerard Mayo might have had a hand in actually developing? Steve Belichick. And look where he is right now. Oh, DC at University of Washington. Probably making over a million dollars a year. But I thought recruiting guys at when they're if, fifteen. So you want to develop and then let them go? Well, no. Isn't but that what Belichick did? And his fans ripped him for? We have no idea what Gerard Mayo is. We don't know. He's got no track record. That's part of the that's part of the like the allure of this. When the whole family comes together to watch the game, nobody wants to miss a second of the action to run to the grocery store. With Instacart, you can get all your weekly groceries in as fast as an hour. Less time shopping means more game time. Let's go. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum per order. Additional terms apply. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island. Jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. US Q3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. And Fourier on WEEI and streaming on WEEI.com. What a busy first hour. Brad Stevens joined us. That's right. The president of basketball operations for the Boston Celtics joined us in hour one. If you missed it, you can go to WEEI.com, the Odyssey app, or you can go to YouTube and you can find it there. Just go to YouTube, type in W-E-E-I, bingo, bango, it pops up. And our whole playlist is there as well. Well, he's very he's a very pleasant guy. Who, Brad Stevens? Yeah. He really has no reason to be unpleasant. No, like, but I mean... But he's just, not coaching anymore. It's not the day-to-day. Like, it's got to be different for Brad Stevens sitting up upon high thinking, eh, maybe here's what I would do. Or, eh, you know, I'll talk to Joe and sort of see what he's thinking. There's still a lot of the day to day that is kind of out of your hands. Well, I I do I think he I thought he was pleasant when he was a, a coach. He's just got a natural tone and mannerism about him. Did you know the whole backstory with Joe Mazzula back to when he was at Butler? Uh, I did. Yes. Oh well, I did there's not know that. well, you know, if you if you so actually, he's been hanging around for a while. Well, but if you actually you know talk to some people when Joe Mazzula and again he's from Johnston, Rhode Island. You know, he's he's cut down the road so to speak. Um, even at West Virginia, you know, and he had an issue or two at West Virginia in terms of immaturity, but as a point guard, there were a lot of people when it's the whole, oh, he thinks like a coach out there, you know, even as a player under old Huggy Bear, there were still a lot of people who would say that about Missoula, but you know, 
I, I lived in Western Pennsylvania for a while. People in Fairmont, West Virginia, because like Joe Mazzula coached at Fairmont State, people from Fairmont, West Virginia don't admit they're from Fairmont, West Virginia. You can get real lost down there. But apparently he made enough of an impression in the basketball world for people to have eyes on him. And I think the growth year to year has been large. Well, the best thing about Joe Mazzula is that he is comfortable in his own skin. And he is. this is who he is. This is is who he is. Does Joe Mazzulla walk the line of comfortable in his own skin and don't give an F? Or do you think it's more of a, I don't give an F what you think. I know who supports me and I don't care about you. Well, um, or do those, or those, is that blending? He's, uh, I wonder if like, if he was a first time head coach for a crappy team, would he be so clap backy? Would he be so chirpy and challenging like if different he were reporters? The, if he were the coach of the Pistons or something like yeah. that, how um, would he shape the narrative yeah. and all would that Would he be stuff? like, would he be challenging reporters? No, I do think this is the best thing, though. Like, this is it. Like, I love the fact, I'm telling you, I told Brad Stevens, we talk about it. Like, he's growing on me. I love the fact that he's just, you know, and I think it's more, I don't give an F. I, I, I think, think it's, it's more of that. I just don't I, give an F. Your opinion doesn't F and matter. I'll humor you every now and then, and we can have an exchange, but... You ain't you ain't here every day. That's the player in him. I also think too that when you're a college kid and you play for Bob Huggins, you sort of pick up a little bit of that mentality. Like again, I know that like for you know <gasps> Bill Belichick and Bob Huggins and all of those olds just put them in a wooden ship and send them away. They have no use anymore. It's like, no, you can still learn a lot from those people. You can also learn a lot of things maybe you shouldn't do. And that's sort of the Bob Huggins way. But the one thing I do like about Joe Missoula is he played for a guy that was a little prickly. He played for somebody that would actually challenge people. Because, and I've even said this to my kids, I'm like, just wait five years. We're, we're, we're moving to no challenge nation. My God. Well, you know what the Celtics have that the Patriots don't want any part of and what's that a hard-ass vibe oh joe mazula that's a hard-ass vibe he's got agreed and the patriots want nothing to do with and, and the hard-ass vibe and if joe mazula were 63 <laughs> i'm sure a lot of the patriot fans that are you know piling on belichick the way some in foxborough seem to be it would be with joe if they couldn't get there ah he's just old it's like oh new is new but it's not necessarily better and that leads us to Elliot Wolf. And I know that uh, Peter King, who we will hear from a little bit later on, recently retired from, I don't know, 40 years or whatever it is and covering the NFL, and and, and his core Pete's a good guy. Uh, but he would do the uh, 10 things I think I think I know at the end of his column. And we're kind of hijacking that for a, now that we've heard from Elliot Wolf, Christian, what do we think we know about what is going to happen either in free agency or in the draft. Okay. Uh, I think number one is real easy. Well, go ahead. Number one is they've already decided they're taking a quarterback. Yes. They told you that day one. When he was introduced, did the whole interview, right? Spent some cash. Absolutely. And I expect the verbal fluffing to begin of all three guys just in case – one of the three that maybe they didn't predict falls to them. You know, then, oh, we've said nice things about everybody. 
Because we don't want any hard ass comments. Yeah, no hard ass vibes in here. No, big, big, no hard ass vibes with a big red circle no, oh, and a line through it. Oh, that's what we need. Yeah, we got to get no hard ass vibes. Yep. So no hard ass vibe zone. Oh, hey, man. when you enter this building, leave your hard ass vibe in your car. We're not doing that here. It's very pleasant. Everybody's approachable. Okay, we're over here. We have a little uh, knitting session going on. Maybe some croquet, crochet over here. I don't know, maybe pottery. Maybe you want to do some uh, clay pots. You know, you could. Uh, uh, we have the uh, pots in Peru station. Yeah. We also have the uh, just walk through the stadium station. You can just walk some laps outside and listen maybe you to, your to get your steps in or talk to someone. You know, you need an ear. Somebody needs an ear. You yeah. want to be a good listener. So, you know, because that's the other thing too. I mean, if everybody's going to collaborate, there has to be somebody on the listening end of all this as well, right? Absolutely. Can't just be everybody taking. Everybody's going to have to give a little. So that's the one thing I know I know they think they know they know. Yeah, oh, definitely. Okay, and I think it's it's really between uh, one of two guys. It's either May or it's um, uh, Jaden uh, Daniels. And Kurt Warner will be on with us tomorrow just so everybody Great knows. Great job out of you. So Kurt was – last week I saw this. I just want to mention this real quick. Please. So last week I see Kurt Warner, you know, tweeting out some, you know, hey, I don't know how people even judge these players. Uh, the, the route concepts are, you know, you know – uh, boring and you know sophomoric. Uh, how could you even tell? It's like it's like how can you tell who's going to be good and who's not going to be a good? And then because he, he's like you have no idea, and they just run around and they're nothing is set. So I was like, wow, this that's an interesting take because I think we uh, kind of agree with them. Um, so I asked him to come on. So he's going to be on tomorrow at twelve. The other thing that I think they're obviously going to do, obviously take the quarterback. But they are, we're going to see another quarter of a billion dollars spent, probably more, in free agency as soon as it starts. You have the legal tampering period. Which starts, I do believe, March 11th. Okay, and then obviously free agency officially starts. Yep. You're going to see the first two days of a, first we're going to hear rumors that this guy's going to sign as soon as it's legal. Bam, I announce, hey, can't wait to be a patriot. No hard-ass vibes here, baby. It'll it'll probably start with their own first, would be my guess. On when you? Uh, uh, Kyle Duggar on Wenu Duggar, and it's interesting. They brought up the franchise tag, and Mayo's answer was, "Well, you know that is a possibility, but we want we want the people here to be happy." That was a part of his answer. We want them to be happy. And nobody likes getting that average of the top three highest paid players at your position. Yeah, yeah. It nobody would be, wants that for one year. Uh, I, I, I know. I mean, show me you that know. you love me. I mean, commit to me. I've always laughed at. I've always laughed at the whole use of the franchise tag, and people are like, "Oh my god, it's terrible." Just think of this, Mike Onwenu. If he got franchised, it would be, I think, around. Might I can't remember. If it's a little under, but it's basically twenty million for one year. Mike Onwenu hasn't even made half of that in his NFL life. And I love it how it's always like the, and I get it, you want to cash in. I get that. But it's also $20 million guaranteed for you to sign your name on a dotted line. Even if you get hurt, you're still getting that money. There's no injury offset. There's none of that bull crap. Like, they franchise you. It's almost like a lottery ticket saying, here's $20 million. Oh, and by the way, if you light yourself on fire or get hit by a car, as long as you sign that deal, you're still going to get that money. Like, I'm just, you know, T. Higgins has made nothing, and now it's like, oh, he's, oh, he's going to get $20.8 Yeah, guaranteed with no caveat. 
It's not like going and signing with a team and that's well, forty million guaranteed, but only you know eighteen million of it is real. You really should try to do the Kirk Cousins, uh, you know, routine is uh, try to get franchised as much as possible, then go ahead and sign two right. uh, guaranteed deals with the same team. Like he, he, that guy, he's going to get another guaranteed well, de- it, deal it, with the Minnesota Vikings. And, and like if you're T Higgins or on Wenu and say you got a franchise tag for one year, go go ball out. Guess what? You're doing it again. Right? Yeah, but you always freak out because you feel like you the timing was right for you. You hit it perfectly. You're a free agent. Now you want to maximize your earning potential, and you don't want to sign a a franchise tag, get hurt, have your play kind of you know diminish. Right, and then now you're not nearly worth as much as you used to be. Or you hit it, get franchised again, get 120 percent of what you got, which would say be 23 million. Let's just say, would you have gotten 43 million dollars guaranteed in the first two years of a deal as a free agent? That's the argument I always make because it's inarguable. Franchise tag means you get the dough. That's it. There's no bullcrap connected to it. So I think there. I think it can be argued both ways, but it feels like the uh, the franchise tag is a, a dirty word. Now back to the guys, Gresh and Fourier on WEEI. Oh boy. We got some new stuff in, uh, courtesy of our friend Mike Cadlick. At Mike Cadlick on Twitter. <laughs> Who's that guy? <laughs> uh, you knew why I was laughing. I know exactly why you did it. <laughs> hey, do you know who, the guy Felger? <laughs> From uh, yesterday with our big friend. chubby guy that's always sits uh, next to our boy Zoe? Uh, so uh, the NFLPA player survey on working conditions is out. <laughs> I we're gonna break this down because former NFLer Christian Fourier has been giggling for about three minutes in reading this. Um, Albert Breer put out a little tweet. We'll give you the uh, top five teams on the uh, working. Conditions NFLPA player survey, okay? Top five teams. Dolphins, Vikings, Packers, Eagles, Jaguars. The Jaguars is interesting because their facilities are garbage. But I know they're opening a new sort of big building down there. Bottom five. The Commanders. The Chiefs. The Chargers, the Stillers, and the Patriots. Not great, Bob. So we go to uh, the NFL PA survey. And we have our NFLer here, <laughs> and we're going to be able to unpack this. So, Fourier, uh, under the category of treatment of families under this NFL PA player survey, the New England Patriots <laughs> got. An F minus, wow. yeah. which only ranked 30 out of 32. Wait, how can it not? Somebody, what's worse than an F minus minus? Somebody got an H, maybe an I. Really? I don't know. That's how bad it was? I mean, you know, the Patriots got an F minus and 30th out of 32. Treatment of families, an F minus. Hold on. Help I got I to I gotta find out. Are you looking, you're looking for a little more context. Well, on I'm this? looking at the the, the like, NFL player. Um, oh, you uh, brought up page. the survey. Yeah, so I brought up the page. And it, I don't see anybody with the with when it goes to treatment of families. 
that has anything worse than an F minus. The Patriots really are the only team in there with an F minus. There's got to be two others. If it's 30 out of 32, they just tied F, them at 30. F. Yeah. Uh, I mean, an F. No. The the fact that there are Fs and then F minuses let you know uh, either the players have expectations that are out of whack well, or, I can tell or you, the so, teams just don't give a damn. So, um let me see the teams uh, that I were on. Uh, so with the Patriots, game's over. They don't really have a place for the families to go and meet. Okay. They're in the tunnel. They, they So the players walk through the tunnel on the way to the field, and on the way back they walk through the little middle area or they walk through the back area, and they go into through, to this one door and they go through the weight room and whatever. The family members basically just sit outside in the tunnel. They put some tables out. They put some food out there. It's It's okay. It's nothing great, and that's it. There's no like, uh, you know, special place for kids. Although sometimes they used to convert like the 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 uh, the dining room area into like a makeshift like a daycare, okay. and they threw a bunch of toys in there. I I mean I don't know what people want. I think they want you know when I was at the Washington Redskins, they had nothing. People met in the in the in the parking lot. Absolutely nothing. Yeah, I, I Carolina, same thing. We, the family, hey, meet us in the parking lot. I this is one where I don't know what the players really want. That's the you know, but for an F minus, that makes it sound like you are making them wait in the parking lot. Yeah, in the cold, and there's no heat, and the food sucks. So that's really what it's all about. How easy is is it for my family to meet me, get to the game? How, how good are the seats? Are you giving me tickets? Or I got to buy my tickets anyways. The tickets, are they any good? Okay. Um, listen, somebody... Uh, it, so, I didn't think it was that bad. But again, I wasn't really... I didn't really... Wasn't well, really looking for much. They, you, they provide... They don't need to give you food. And don't you... Well, that's the... You know, don't you think there's some of this where now in college, you know, you probably had it better at Alabama than you did in the NFL. Even if I you do went think to the, even yeah. if you went to the best team with the best resources and the nicest stadium and the newest coach, if if you're a you're a senior at Alabama, you've seen those facilities turn over. They're giving you cars. You got NIL, all that stuff. Well, take uh, take the locker room. Uh-huh. Patriots got a C minus. You've seen that locker room, right? Yeah, they've redone it. Lockers look great. There's little doors on it. It looks great. I don't I know like LSU and these other big schools they'll have like recliners they'll have uh Oh my god uh, Oregon's is sick. So that's what they're comparing it to. They're comparing it to hey my locker reclines I have a TV I have a port for all my devices um I mine has a like little massage on it. Doesn't Clemson have like a slide? Well in, they have a slide like in, in the their, that's in not their the locker facility. room. No yeah. but but like but that's kind of the silliness of the Right, like if, if players walked in and it was like, oh, there's a cool slide for Listen, us. Listen, the Patriots locker room, I don't, again, if you're if you're comparing it to what you had in college, it doesn't even come close to comparing. Yeah. But there's tons of space. You have you can close the, in the in the old days, all your stuff was just wide open. You can actually close it. Their names digi- digitized on the top of it. I mean, you have again, I don't know what you want. Maybe they want a chair. They want some sort of recliner like mm-hmm. they had in college. I don't know. Uh, food and cafeteria got a B minus, which was fifteenth out of the uh, thirty-two That's teams. Pretty good. Nutritionist, dietitian, B minus, which was twentieth. Locker room got a C minus on the NFLPA Patriots Players Survey that ranked twentieth. Training room is a C. 
and it ranked 22nd. Now, people are going to see, Christian, the locker room getting a C-, minus, the training room getting a C, and then the weight room getting an F. Locker room, training wow. room, weight room. The three room. most important areas for a player. Uh, help, help us okay, so understand. Again, uh, if you come from a big school, you probably had a football-sized weight room. Vaulted high ceilings, indoor track, indoor training facility, lots and lots of machines, lots and lots of space. Well, that bubble that they have down at Gillette. And we got to walk to it, though. It would be something like that in terms of a facility well, that would be built at a, in an Ohio State or an Alabama. The places that I've seen, the high-end ones, the ones that do it right, you go from the weight, the weight room. BC has this. You walk out of the weight room, you go right to the indoor facility. Their mm-hmm. weight room is small. It's not even that big. Compared to the other ones in the ACC, um, I think this is more about, first of all, I think they're all a bunch of snobs, honest to God. Like, if you're ripping the Patriots locker room, if you're ripping the training room, then it must be the trainer. If you're ripping the the weight room, then it's probably the strength coach. What's interesting, though, is that relative to the weight room getting an F, the strength coach has got a C-, minus, which ranked 31st. Now... I think, depending on how you're kind of viewing things going on currently at Gillette, this is one where you could split with the strength coaches. Moses Cabrera was there. That was Bill's guy. Who was the assistant? Gerard Mayo's brother. So was it split? Is this a vengeful vote? Or are there people who might still be down around there who, Christian, they might go back into the fear zone because do you want to say that maybe you were one of those that didn't really love the strength coaches, but now one of them is the brother of the head coach. So are we going to go back to people being afraid of not saying anything about the strength coach? Now, my God, Christian, what do we do? So like Dallas got like a pluses and A's and, and like on, on everything. They just scored high on everything. Can can you help me? San Francisco scored high on everything. Green Bay scored high. Dallas, you mentioned them. The Eagles. How did the Patriots? All these teams are winning teams. How did the Patriots get a D in team travel? Do you have your own plane? Thank you. How you have basically a first class seat? It must be the hotels. Can I can I advance another theory? Do uh do wags or family make it onto normal team charters? Never. Okay, because I'm wondering if a part of the treatment in families F minus could be tied into team travel getting a D because oh I'd 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 love to bring little Petunia with me on the trip or whatever. No, it, that would never happen. Going back to the treatment of families, though, I remember we visited the Browns when the Browns first built their stadium, and and we were like walking through it, and we're like, we saw this little. It was like you know, baby. It was like the puppy pound, right? And it was just like a a really cool, a dedicated place just for the kids. Mm-hmm. Like, wow, they have a puppy pound. Like, well, they're really taking care of their players. You know, the kids can come and the wives can watch the game and. The kids can go and have a grand old time. They can put them in the puppy pound. Patriots had something similar, but they just threw a bunch of plastic toys and you know and stuff in there. Um, and then they had like a designated area that was nice with TVs and you know chairs and lots of space and the food was good and it was a really cool environment. 
So that is when you when you travel to go to other teams, or you you play long enough where you can be on other teams, you realize how good they they have it. I'm not surprised at all that Jerry Jones gives his team the best of everything. Well, they've got an unbelievable stadium, number one, but they also went and built a crazy, awesome little facility for them to practice in, and I say little. Because they've held, like, high school playoff games in the practice facility, which I think is, I don't want to say it's like a full dome. It is. Because it isn't. It it uh, is. No, but I don't think it's got, uh, it doesn't have stands all the way around. But it is, uh, you can put 15,000 people in there. Easily. Yeah, that's where they held all their championship games. For where they practice, yeah. No, it's pretty nice. I mean. It is. Listen, he spends the money. It's important to him. And the Dallas Cowboys do have more of a college vibe as far as, their head coach, be just I call it Jerry Jones. Just want to make sure we have the best of everything. You, you, you're a Dallas Cowboy. You have that star on your side of your helmet. We're gonna treat you right. Everything's first class. But isn't that the way for Jerry to make money? That isn't a uh, a Patriot place ish sort of build out. Meaning, you build this unbelievable facility, and you have every high school team in the state of Texas that would love to find a way to get in there, right? So I'm just wondering if the Crafts looked at it and said, what are we going to build for high school football here? It's just easier to open up the stadium and let them in. Whereas they say, ah, let's build some retail because, you know, Foxborough's got three good restaurants. So let's build a whole bunch of stuff wow. that people can come to. The, the treatment of families got an F minus. I just, I wonder what they want because here is the money piece of this, in my opinion, Christian. And if you're just joining us, first of all, you found Gresham for you. You can uh, get us on the Odyssey app, download that. You can also watch us do this show. Go to Twitch, twitch.tv slash Boston WEEI. Boom, you can watch us do this show. They, uh, the NFLPA put out a survey. They asked the players, and according to the New England Patriots, the head coach got a B-minus grade, which ranks 27th. Ownership gets a D-plus and also ranks 27th. How do you uh wow. how do you uh interpret that, Foyer? Oh, geez. Well, um I'm I'm confused about the ownership part getting such a low grade. Yeah, I don't Isn't know. Isn't he just like I, this I, I, I approachable, cool grandfather figure that yeah. just wants to have a good time and take care of his guys, right? Or is it because he's like turning a blind eye and letting Bill do whatever he wants? How's I mean, Kraft, out of all the owners? I, that surprises me. That surprises me. I can understand you being irritated by your coach. You don't win. He's kind of a hard ass. He's got that hard ass vibe about him. You don't like him. But the ownership, I thought, would would kind of get a pass. And I also wonder how much of the reaction from the players in giving ownership a D plus ranking twenty seventh is tied into the F minus on the treatment of families and the locker rooms and facilities for as good as they are, are only viewed as a C level. So basically, the players view it as average, which is wild to me. How about this? A travel, you would have you, your own plane. Yeah, Christian, I don't understand that. It's so funny to me. It's an A. Would you, would you rather, it, it, it's almost like, I wonder if there are guys who would be like, 
well, yeah, I'm not going to make the big checks, but, man, everything I got in college is great. Like, you do trade off a little bit of the ridiculousness arms race of college football to graduate to play in the pros where you get a paycheck. (laughs) And, you know, it's not like this is – it's as if this was graded as if it were the old Foxborough Stadium. Yeah, which was a what the rate room was was an F minus F F F minus. Now that Facilities was F, a F, dump. F minus. Yeah, they had to go to the they had to go to the state school or they had to go down yeah. the road. There was, it was, there was turned no, was, other ways. No, it was it was used to be an old. Uh, it was an old. Uh, I think a uh, crazy factory, yeah, yeah, whatever the hell it was. Insane, insane asylum, insane I asylum. guess, is the way to do ah, it. Yeah, sounds like sounds like. <laughs> oh no! Well, I had a friend who would be like, "Oh, you would get a car and go to the go to the Waco school, and then go down there and be like, oh, my God.'" And every player would bitch and complain. And Those moan. are apartments now, by the way. They yeah, they had to think of that in in nineteen ninety nine. Players got in their cars to drive to the practice field. That That is not surprising to me because when I was playing for the Seahawks, we had to hop in our cars and drive to downtown Seattle because our facility, the bubble blew up. We didn't have an indoor facility. The bubble blew so up. We, no, it, it, blew, it literally blew away and was in somebody's uh, the neighbor's yard, and then we had to drive to freaking when I played for the Redskins. Their turf field would flood all the time. Heavy rains, the turf field uh-huh. would flood. It was it that was a crappy they, they, their facilities sucked. It's it was a, terrible. Yeah, I mean I listen, it's not the it's not the Shangri-La. It's not AT&T Stadium. I understand it. But man oh man, to turn it to, you know, to could more be done, of course. And I think every owner would probably tell you that. Yeah, there could be more to be done. Uh, but, How can I? Ma- this is this is all going to change because if I'm craft, and I'm already kind of, you know, insecure as it is, you know, I want to be loved. It's a great word. You know, I want to be loved. I want I want the players. I want the reputation to be like, hey, I'm an owner that takes care of my guys, mm-hmm. right? Especially now since the you know uh, the wicked old witch is dead and he's out of the building. What? They don't like to travel. Well, I got him a plane. You know, I'm going to get a new one. Hey, they don't like the food. They don't like the weight room. I just, I just redid it. Why don't they like? They don't like the cold tubs. Hey, somebody text in. Chiefs ownership got an F minus. They got an F minus. Steelers got an F. Why, Panthers, that's... Panthers got a D. So crafted just above Tepper. So the Rooney's got an F. <sighs> are they cheap? I don't get it. What do the Giants get? I mean, <laughs> what do those guys get? What do the Seahawks get? What do the Broncos get? Yeah. Giants got a B plus for ownership. Wow. Broncos got an A. Ooh. Well, this. What was the other one? Seahawks C plus. Uh, wow. So Broncos ownership got an A. I mean, they just must be. That's got to well, be spending they're, money. They're new. That's what it. Yeah. The new owners are all over the place. Hey, how are you? Nice to meet you. Da da da. I'm sure you're, you're kicking out Russ. I'm sure your first day on the job for you eh, that you know the ownership of the Seattle Seahawks are there to greet you at the front door to say hi. No, it's weird. It's just uh, oh man, this probably this probably Robin Glazer is going to have to give this to Kraft. Going to have to drop the news to him. <laughs> hey, just so you know, all our guys, you know, I don't and, know how this and happened. You know, and you know what's going to bother him the most? It ain't going to be the facility stuff. It's going to be the ownership 
That's that's what's going to be. How was, does how does Bill get a B minus and I get a D plus? I've been single handedly trying to undermine him as a coach. Didn't you see the the dynasty series? What's going on? The players actually liked him. They respected him. And didn't they? What do you mean the facilities? I put up a new lighthouse. Look at that big giant scoreboard. And if there's <laughs> one thing I know the crafts do, which is why I think the food in the cafeteria got a good grade, they give them three squares down there. But maybe they don't give them a, yeah, like when you were, I don't know what it was like for you were in school, but like we would always be on the meal plan and you yeah. have like the tickets, right? So if you found an extra ticket, you'd be like, oh, I get an extra meal or whatever. Maybe they're not giving enough tickets for the families to be able to go through the food line to I mean, be able to they, get a square during the day or what? Do they want the college program where there is an off-season food plan? Because I know during the off-season, they don't feed you. Uh, do they want food? I mean, I guess they do during OTAs, but if it's just a normal workout session, right. there's not food waiting for you. Not, you can't get your special omelet made by the guy over there well, at the omelet part station. Of the strength staff thing. 65% of players said they get an individual plan. That was 31st. And then players feel that the strength coaches moderately contributed to their success. Also, thirty first. Well, oh, see, I bet you. I, you know what? When they do this survey next year, I will bet a hearty pizza lunch that next year that grade completely flips because the head coach's brother is now the head of the strength. Yeah, but, well, but also according to Mark Daniels, they'll be redoing the weight room as part of their new new stadium renovations. So oh, it's, gonna, but, but it's here's, not going to be an F anymore. But to your point, though, like so, <laughs> mo- think about Maybe. it. Like, the uh, the in season strength staff, you don't really you see them. The, the workout is twenty five minutes, thirty minutes tops. You get a card, you may be hurt. They 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 adjust it according to how you're feeling. You're just trying to stay in shape, but they're not really actually. You know, it's not like the, the, during the off season or for the combine where these guys literally have a huge impact of like how how much better you are. And most of these guys don't work out in Foxborough anyways; they go someplace else. So the strength coaches don't really have a lot to do with their success. Some of them, but not like it used to be. I just think with the switch, we will see the reaction accordingly. Because I'm sure there'll be a lot of people who'd be like, "Those guys gave Bill a B minus. Oh, they must have still been afraid of him." Hmm. You know what I'd love? The breakdowns. Who who voted what? I mean, we'll never find it. The well, fan head coach, uh, Bill, was in line with Kevin Stefanski, Dennis Allen, and Todd Bowles. I mean, good grief. Below Matt Eberflus, Brandon Staley, and Robert Sala. So the players on the Browns. Hardo, Robert Sala? So the players on the Browns were, they, they're not in love with Stefanski Yet we hired all the guys that Stefanski fired because they had connections to Green Bay 10 years ago. Lordy me. And you had Nick Cayley who said no to the job. What? What? <laughs> Are you freaking serious? That guy who shouldn't be an OC anyway. I'm glad he didn't take it. But the fact that he didn't, what a kick in the balls. The guy's a nobody. He should be thrilled to be able to fill out a survey and say, yeah, I get to be an offensive coordinator. Anyway, we'll get to the lunchtime parlay next. Tacovis is a terrific boot brand, and they're bringing a fresh perspective to heritage boot making. So they've carried forward all the time-honored traditions and quality you find in a great pair of cowboy boots. But they've innovated on comfort, style, and service. As someone who tries to pursue a minimalist lifestyle, I highly value quality over quantity. And I'm telling you, you can't find a higher quality boot than Tacovas. Their Western boots for men and women are handmade. 
handmade from the most premium leathers with over 200 time-honored individual steps. Also, did I mention that they are Austin-designed, Texas-tested, and handmade down in the boot-making capital of the world, Leon, Mexico? And also, if you've ever wondered if you can pull off cowboy boots, which is something that I was thinking, you should pull on a pair of Tacovas, and you'll see. Just do a quick search for Tacovas on social media, and you'll see how adorably styled these boots can be. Visit tacovas.com, that's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com, and point your toes west. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. No matter where you work from these days, take Gresh and Fourier with you on the Odyssey app. Favorite WEI. Time of the lunchtime parlay. God dang it! Just missed another one. We're trying to get one more in here in the month of February. We got two parlays that we hit in the month of February, and we were uh, a puck away from having a uh, another winner yesterday with the uh, Panthers puck line and the Sabres. Drew Holiday did, did get a block, the Billy block party. I'll tell you, from blocks to Joe Ryan, Billy's going to have to make some hard decisions here pretty soon with the baseball season coming up. Uh, I had Dylan Brooks under 17 and a half uh, PRA, points, rebounds, and assists. That came in, and uh, Nikola Vucevic, when I checked it, it was at 25 points. I'm telling you, it's a Here thing. We go. It's a thing now, officially. Hold on. Right? You Give me credit. You were, you were it's a thing. Hold on. You rolled it out, then you renounced it in terms of the Pistons thing, and now you've hit two, and you're back on It's a Thing. Because I needed to hit three in a row for it to be a thing, and I hit two out of four, then I was like kind of irritated, then I gave it a rest, gave it a break, all-star break. I said, let me go back into this. Detroit still sucks. And I'm, I'm so now I'm like, what? Uh, what, five of seven? It's pretty good. Something like that. We'd have to go back and look. Pretty good. Pretty good. Made-up statistics. <laughs> eh, listen, it's fine. He's got fake wins anyway, so what the hell? I gave him a spot. Is it a thing? It's a thing now. One day I want you to try it. I just want you to try my theory on a side bet that won't be held account- uh, you won't be held accountable for. Okay, fair enough. Okay. 
All right, I'll dig in on the silliness. Okay, see what, what you're happens. Rolling out there. I think we all should take the serious, the, the silliness. Oh, that, well, kinda... it, it, so we're just doing a silly parlay this yes, weekend yes. on Friday. Yeah, it'll be silly. Yeah, silly. I'll tell you, it'll probably win too. How much you bench? Three hundred fifty pieces. Lunchtime parlay presented by FanDuel, America's number one sports book, the official sports book of WEEI. There have been a lot of sharps in college basketball that have been waiting for the moment in which. They're going to bet on Missouri as a massive underdog. Tonight, Missouri will play nationally ranked Florida. Missouri is plus 650 on the money line, but they're getting 13 and a half. I don't have the balls to go Missouri straight up. I'll take the 13 and a half because Missouri has not been that awful, even though they're on the road. But there are a lot of sharps. Keep an eye on this game, folks. If it moves up, it's going to go towards Missouri. You might be able to get 15 by game time, but I'll take the 13 and a half. Billy! Blocking Billy Landy. What's up, Billy? How are you? Sticking you, with the blocks. What's up? You are just blocking it up. And I'm Drew, trying, man. Well, we we also uh, got a little bit of bad info about Drew Holiday shaving the head. He was a shaver mm-hmm. down yes. there. But... uh Normally, this is a uh, normally it's a Drew Holiday deal, but I know the Celtics are off. So where are you going with so this? I'm going to uh, the Dallas Raptors game. Mavericks in Toronto to play the Raptors. Give me a Luka Doncic over a half a block. Oh, that's that sits nicely. Now to puck everything up. Here's Nick. Well, I'm going with a Ric Flair one. <laughs> oh, the baby! Ric Flair, sixty minute 60 line. Sixty minute man. I love it. The Rangers are probably the hottest team in hockey right now, and they are playing the team that just beat them the Columbus Blue Jackets. I don't think they beat them twice in a row, especially since now they are at home. Give me the Rangers on the 60-minute line tonight against the Blue Jackets. Feeling good about this parlay. Here's Fourier. Alright, let's go. Lakers at Clippers, which is really kind of weird because it's really Lakers at Clippers and we're just going to switch sides, right? Like, we're just going to change the facade because they're all playing in the same arena. It's like Jets at Giants. Yeah, same thing. Uh, I'm just going to take the Lakers straight up. Actually, no, not straight up. Plus three and a half. Um, against the Clippers. No Paul George. Lakers. I just feel like taking the Lakers. That's really all I got. Ah! I just feel like taking the Lakers. Ah! Listen, I mean, there's a lot to this because, first of all, uh, wait, LeBron James didn't play last week against uh, when they played that big game against Golden State. Uh-huh. So he was nursing an ankle. Anthony Davis has also been nursing some stuff. They didn't. They didn't come out nearly as strong as everybody thought they would out of the All-Star break. Now they're playing the Clippers, who they all despise. And the Clippers still trying to kind of claim that city for their own. No Paul George. I feel like this makes sense. All right. So we're going to go Lakers plus the three and a half at the Clippers. We got the Rangers, the Ric Flair bet, 60-minute line. The 60-minute men will be the Rangers. Luka Doncic over the half a block. And I got Missouri plus 13 and a half. Ladies and gentlemen, your $10 on this parlay will win you $117.06. We'll make sure to get that up on social media. Gresh Fourier, W-E-I on Twitter. Gresh and Fourier, spell the A and D between our last names. When it comes to Instagram and uh, Mickey Mixteen in the uh, Twitch chat, when's the last time they hit one of these? January 15th? February 8th and February 15th. Three so far, and we're up 120 bucks. So tune in March 8th. There we go. That's right. Oh, boy. Andy Hart will join us at 1220, but Celtics beat the Sixers. 
And Fourier wants his love for an opinion that someone backed. We'll get to that next. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. As we turn the corner into the new year, a lot of people are looking to get healthier. That includes Hero Bread, who have just launched their new recipe using heart-healthy olive oil. Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. All with no compromise on the taste, texture, and bready goodness you expect from your favorites. Now they're listening to their fans and updating their recipe with olive oil, an antioxidant-rich oil that's been shown to reduce cholesterol and minimize the risk of heart disease. Try it today with code HERO10 for 10% off your purchase at HERO.CO. That's code H-E-R-O-10 for 10% off at Hero.co. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. So what exactly is the show about? It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Crash and Fourier on W-E-E-I. Get Boston Sports Original on the go wherever you go. Just download the Odyssey app. 1201 Gresham Fourier here with you. 617-779-7937. I saw somebody on this whole NFL uh, PA thing before we get to the Celtics. Only 55% of players feel that former head coach Bill Belichick was efficient with their time. Again. And then the players feel that Bill Belichick was rarely willing to listen to the locker room. Both were 31st overall. Oh, man. This is this. this, I'm telling you when they. Oh, God. Okay. Okay. I'm just going to go along with it. They're going to listen to everyone and maybe maybe it'll maybe it'll work. Yeah. When this reminds me that one little nugget right there reminds me of how we thought that the reason we kept losing in Miami is because we didn't get to Miami early enough to get acclimated to the heat. Mm -hmm. So we convinced Bill, this is what's good for us. This is the difference between winning and losing. Sends us down there early on a Friday morning. We spend a couple days there, get used to the heat, still get our ass kicked. This sounds like the same thing. Yeah, you know, the reason why we only only won four games because Bill wasn't efficient with our time. And you didn't listen to us? What? This is a problem. Oh, because now it's going to be... Do you think it gets as silly as, okay, who would like to start today with a complaint, a bitch, a beef? Anybody got anything? I can just see, like, we were just just joking around. Like, hey, you go to... Hey, sorry, coach. Um, Me and the quarterbacks. I'm TJ McCarthy. I'm the new uh, quarterbacks coach. Sorry, coach. Uh, you know what? I didn't get to install any of the third down plays or red zone or goal line, you know, because, you know, um, 
you know, Mac had some issues that he wanted to get off his chest, and we re- we all want to make sure we gave him enough time so we didn't, he didn't feel rushed and he can adequately adjust to the, the new situation, right? Because it's important. So we're not ready. We can't run any of the plays. No big deal. What's more important is how you feel. It's the cart before the horse, horse mentality, which I think is going to literally torpedo this team. It's going to torpedo. If you sit there and you give all this, if you somehow decide that hearing them out is more important than actually performing, you're in trouble. And just for the record, I've never been on a team where the players didn't have a voice. Hey, uh, hold on. I'm sorry, Christian Fourier, two-time Super Bowl champion, three-time, uh, you know, three years with the New England, four years with the New England Patriots, and around Bill Belichick. Might you say that one more time? I've never, ever been on a team in the NFL where the players didn't have a voice or at the least had a spokesperson, a, spo- a, a, a veteran committee, a player committee, a captain's only meeting. Hey, I can't get to Bill because I don't make any money. I'm just, Hey, the way we practice is all effed up. Can you go talk to Bill? Yeah, I meet with him every Friday. I'm going to bring it up. So you mean like Slater, Andrews, Guy, people like that? Who would meet weekly with Bill? That, that every would be, year I was with, played there four years. Every year there was a captain's. The captains met on Friday. If we, if I had, if I needed something to be said, and I was a little maybe a little nervous about saying it, um, because I wasn't as nearly as secure financially, you know, in the pecking order of things, and I mm-hmm. wasn't a captain. I'll tell, hey, Izzo, what the hell, Brable, Teddy, you guys need to talk to him about this. The hotels suck. Talk to him about that. Famous quote from the dynasty, Lori Malloy didn't like his hotel room. Went to Bill, he gave him a suite. He's, he doesn't bend, though. The emphasis on that is just, it's like, what do you think that really, as far as a, I'll use a craft, one to a hundred, how do you think this really affects the team? <laughs> what is it? Well, how, in the order of importance, a hundred obviously being the most it's, important. It's, it's one. Well, then you're a schmuck. That's what I wanted to You're a schmuck, Gerard. Honest to God, it it, it does, in a way, feel like the... uh, Are you ever going to be able to make everybody happy? No. And isn't that a real inherent problem of the way moving forward? Because while it's collaborative, collaborative, in air quotes... You have what now? 20 coaches, let's say, and 53 players, and you'll have 15 on a practice squad. So we're talking about 100 people are going to be happy. They're going to feel loved. They're going to feel heard, and they're all going to be aligned. All 100 people. You better make sure that that team is kind of well put together as far as everybody being able to discipline themselves and motivate themselves because the one thing you'll you'll take advantage of it, uh, we'll take it. We want a shorter practice. We want this. We want that. My whole thing, even in just even like to, in society, just in overall people who just you know demanding this, demanding this. So they want this, they want that. And why aren't you listening to me? Why, why nobody's paying attention to me? You know, sometimes when like when my kids come back, come to me and they ask for something, sometimes it's really just as simple as no. And I don't need to to give you. A freaking ex- reason why 
No. I mean, they don't tell you, I'm a grown-ass man. Yeah, they or I'm so a no. grown woman. Nobody, it's, I feel like that is, that drives me crazy because there's so much emphasis on, like, this, you know, kumbaya, knocking down silos, everybody gets a voice, and you're getting a bad grade because you don't listen to me. You don't pay attention to me. I'm not seen. Well, you know, that's what I wonder. How much of this could be rooted in the locker room in terms of some of the disconnect? Because like you just said, uh, there might have been some guys who were just like, la, 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 I'm not listening anymore. La, 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 I'm not, uh, you know, you just tune out. And if you've got guys that'll tune out, if they'll do it for one, they'll do it for another. Because it's about the player. It's about the person who just goes, la, 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 la. Everybody, I'm sure, has dealt with a kid or someone in their family who wasn't quite responsible, who had people around them who would say, don't do this, don't do that. And they do the whole, oh, I'm a grown-ass man. Fine, go make your mistakes. It's the NFL. We can choose to let you go make your mistakes elsewhere. What's the other the other aspect of all the practices weren't efficient? They got a bad grade because they weren't efficient practices? Their, the schedule wasn't efficient? I just think that if you're someone... And the knock on you, the knock on you is that you make people work hard. You're automatically with the new generation going to get pushback. <laughs> How about this? When was your last year in the NFL? It's 2007. Seven? Eight? I don't know. Uh, I thought it was nine, but okay. No, I think it was seven. Okay. Yeah. Seven or eight, let's say. Because, of course, the text comes in for you played 30 years ago. Things have changed. Yeah, you don't have a kid who plays major college football. You don't have you don't have daughters who are, you know, athletes at institutions with scholarships. You know, you have no idea, Fourier, <laughs> that you just left the league a generation and a half ago, and now everything has changed so much, you know. Like the Chiefs, they hate their owner. Well, they went and won a championship. Like they they uh, the word is supposedly now this is where it gets a little muddy in some of these like NFLPA deals. Apparently, they voted down the Chiefs owners and made them an F minus because they're uh, according to J.C. Treader, who's the president of the NFLPA, said, "Well, they they told the players they're going to do a new locker room and they won the Super Bowl and then they didn't do it." I did a little digging on this. Okay, there's apparently going to be an eight hundred million dollar renovation or that's what it's going to cost, to uh, Arrowhead Stadium. And the Chiefs are only paying for $300 million of it. So while the players were all, the way I interpret this is, while the players were all pissed off they didn't get a locker room and they voted the owner as a bad guy, the owner was like, shut up. I'm waiting for the ship to come in on the public money that's going to help make my stadium better. <laughs> so guess what? Vote me with an F minus. I'll take your F minus and get five hundred million in funding from the city or the state to redo my stadium so I can make more money. Boo if you're mad at me. Thanks for the championship. I like, don't seriously. I, there's so I guess it's I, such a bigger game that, that the owners are playing. They're the and they and the players are just I don't have my free cupcakes, God dang it! I, they, they, they. I feel like they just worry about the most insignificant things. It's just like you have complained about with the NFLPA on the uh, on the way the players get paid. They sold the rookies right up the river. Yeah, and now it's like, boy, maybe we shouldn't have done it. Now I hear that uh, dopey uh, Dominique Foxworth with the, well, you know, this whole stuff is really unconstitutional. If it wasn't for the union. 
Yeah, well, your generation of players sold the rookies up the river, so shut up. It's unbelievable. I I mean, good luck to them. I hope everybody's heard, everybody's seen, everybody gets a turn, everybody gets a trophy. That's kind of what it turns into. And and I wonder, like the, I just worry about the efficient thing. Like I do, I do know that any team I've ever been on, you never really had enough time. Like the the, the schedule was set where you were always rushing. Mm-hmm. You're always running to this meeting. Not be, you got to get taped. Or you got to eat. Then you got to hop in the car and you got to walk to the practice field. And holy crap, how much time do I have left? Digital clocks all over the place. There's never enough time because you know what? The practice has got to end sometime. They can only have you out there for a certain amount of time. I, I don't know. I, I I don't get it. I don't get the efficient part. We're moving closer towards just walkthroughs, meetings, and then just hit on Sundays. At least that's what it kind of feels like. Uh, speaking of being hit, I know that uh, there was an incident last night. Uh, was it Texas A? I can't remember if it was Texas A and M or whomever it was. Not Mississippi State, but. Basically, we had more crowds going crazy in college basketball. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no, no. something else? Because we now let this era of lawlessness of just, yeah, run on the court, whatever you want. People throwing stuff as a player gets ejected and the coach had to get on the thing and be like, hey, we don't do that here. Don't be throwing stuff on the floor. We're going to get a technical da-da-da-da-da. But again, we're telling people that it's an era of lawlessness but someone is on Fourier's side when it comes to Duke's I, I, I Kyle think, Filipowski. I think that if you hear this, maybe you will change your tone because he, he agrees with well, me and Nick and Billy. Like, you're on an island on this particular topic. Oh, sure. Because um, here's Chris Canty uh, on, uh, was it, a get-up yesterday uh-huh. discussing uh, who's really at fault here for the whole Wake Forest Duke fiasco. The dynamic of the fans that are in the stadiums or arena absolutely play a role in it. But let's also not pretend like the players don't have to have some more awareness in those situations as well. What do you mean by that? Well, well what we saw from Kyle Filipowski, he's acting like he's going on a walk through the quad <laughs> on campus where you see that there are fans that are storming the court. He has to have more awareness of the situation and have urgency about getting the hell off the court. Now, I think that they have to do a better job of creating a plan and having that in place. Well, there we go. Kind of closes that subject for for now. Oh, yeah, because... Kind of yeah. closes it. Except at Another. the end, he kind of agreed with the crash where they should have a plan. No, no he should have a no, plan, no. but he's oh, still... Yeah. And no, we all, no, I no. said How they needed this? a plan. Yeah. I How said about... they needed a plan, too. Yeah, I, 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 yes. can't, I can't believe we're in 2024 and we haven't figured out a way to keep people from storming the court or running on the floor. But then again, if you're okay with people running on the floor... Then some the the kid who got ejected in the Mississippi State game last night he got cranked in the face with a bottle full of water. Excuse me for a second. Pops Can on we the mic. Stop all the booing. Let these guys play. It's not old class. It's not who we are. Oh, thank you for teaching oh, no, us a lesson. That no, that wasn't was Popovich. Last night. Yeah, that was Popovich. That was, what was that? What? Did, but he, again, they were booing somebody. They were booing but if, somebody. But if you're but if you're okay with yeah, people running right. on the floor and jeopardizing the you know the athletes, I'm sure you're okay with some guy hucking a bottle of pee from 331. You know what? Maybe I'm just a little just conditioned to deal with it based on my own experiences. Where if if you visited Oakland Coliseum and they were throwing D size uh, cell uh, D size uh, batteries at you as you were walking through, throwing beer literally on your head, 
if God forbid you scored a touchdown, you couldn't stop if you hit the north end of that stadium. The whole black hole, they, they would literally grab you. <laughs> I mean, it was it was quite comical, but I loved it. Hey, you know, I what, love the environment. You know what I went through at University of Richmond when we played there on the road <laughs> yeah. in ninety four. What happened to the spiders? What were the spiders <laughs> doing? Oh, those spiders! They're dangerous. We're, we're going to get you now. They uh, now they got this uh, big thing. It's like a, it's almost like a blow up tunnel in a way, and it's got the big spider on the front of it. Ooh. Well, because they uh, they didn't want to do like on the uh, on the scoreboard. You could have like the spider that looks like it's going to jump out and get you. <laughs> Apparently, people get uh, what arachnophobia, right? Oh my god! Are you anti spider? No, I love the spiders. No, no. Spider. Oh, uh, like nah, you no, see no, no, one that's in not your a house, thing. No, I'm fine you, with that. Are you hopping away? No, are you snakes. On your no, no, no. Car? I will mess up a spider. <laughs> I'm a tough guy when it comes to killing spiders. <laughs> I'll mess up a spider. <laughs> Tilt one of those giant Australian ones are like yeah. this big, and you're like, what yeah, the hell? He's good with a daddy long legs, not a black widow. Yeah, yeah no, 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 no. I, although I would just run it over with something, I would do the same thing. Yeah. Uh, Billy, have you, uh, have you and Benny had a big spider talk? Or has he seen like a real life spider and like tried to pick it up and eat it? I don't think there was one the other day where, <laughs> well, some um, little kids do, don't they? They try to eat everything. Oh no, my God. He literally tries to eat everything. Yeah. Don't touch anything near him because he instantly wants it and instantly going to try to eat it. Must put uh, it in his mouth. The other day, no, my girlfriend did kill a spider in front of him. I don't think he had any reaction to it. Okay. It's only probably because she didn't freak out. Got it. Because she kind of tried to do the whole like, if I don't freak out, then he won't freak out when oh, he gets older type thing. Yeah, that would that would be good. Yeah, my kid and, uh, she, and she hates them. So for her to kind of like silently grab a paper towel and kill a spider is very is difficult impressive. for her. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. My wife kind of goes through the same thing. Except when I hear the scream, we're just like, what do we need to kill? Because she just can't do it. it. It's amazing. It also doesn't help that she's five feet tall. If it's on the ceiling, she No, same way. Help. My girlfriend's yeah. lucky if she's five feet. There you go. Yep, yep. Five feet in the morning, I say. You can stream the show or listen on demand anytime. Just download the Odyssey app. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y. Save W-E-E-I's a favorite and listen wherever you go. Now, more Gresh and Fourier on W-E-E-I. 1222. How could you be so heartless? He has no heart. He has uh, no feelings, but he won't be afraid to hurt yours. From weei.com, our, our guy Andy Hart Karma. on the uh, Harbor One Hotline. That's right, with the uh, with the Brown Bears uh, visor on today. Hard, how are you? I'm tremendous. How are you guys? Uh, did you see uh, Brad Stevens with the uh, buzz cut? Are you thinking of uh, getting one yourself? Uh, I don't think I have the head for it. I got some weird lumps in the back of my head. I don't know if they did that old-fashioned thing where they grab you to pull you out when you're born, but uh, <laughs> there's some weird things going on. <laughs> Hold on, he's got a big They use the suction cup. Hold on, turn him in. Okay, yeah. there we go. They use oh, the suction a, cup. Fourier makes fun of me being tiny. I was a massive baby. Some would argue I haven't grown much since uh, that point. But yeah, I, I've realized I, that that has nothing to do. Your baby, you nothing. know, weight has nothing to do with uh, you know how big you'll be as an adult. Yeah, no, I was. Crush was probably ridiculous. a tiny baby. No, right. I was. I was. Uh, it's funny. I was seven pounds, ten ounces. It's not that big. However, by the time I was six months old, I was wearing three-year-old toddler clothes. Oh God. So once I got out, I grew like a weed. Like, what's wrong with this kid? Yeah. I forgot what I was, but I remember my mother complaining and telling me that I was a real pain in the you-know-what. Hmm. I mean the ass. Ah, yeah, interesting. And 40 years later, Still thing. the same. Still thing. Absolutely. Still the same thing. Still so, Gresh, I need, to, um, I need to play your annoying side of the street for uh, a second. Oh, Ooh. we're going anti-wide receiver. Here we go. Nope, nope not that annoying oh, side oh, of the street. Oh, damn. Okay, sorry Different about Different annoying side of the street. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, okay. 
So uh, with sarcasm, with this NFLPA report card that's come out, that is certainly, as I put on Twitter, a groundable offense if you're the Patriots because they got their butts whooped. But um, didn't we fire the guy who got the highest grade? <laughs> Bill Belichick got like a B minus, and yeah. for them, that's a great grade. And we ran him out of town, and everybody else is still here. How do you, uh, in all seriousness, though, Hart, because you were in that building for such a long period of time, you've mm-hmm. seen the evolution of the building was did did that thing kind of take you by surprise? Like the thing that really got me was Robert Kraft got a D plus, Bill Belichick got a B minus, yet they're both ranked the same. Something doesn't seem right. Yeah, I think uh, well, some of the Kraft stuff I think just clearly ties into some of the other stuff, right? Like you're the owner, and if I feel like you're not investing in my family, well, that's on you. And now they have some limitations in term of terms of their facility, the way it's built. And I understand that. I don't want to, you know, they only have one tunnel, for example, because of the hill and the rock and whatever it's built into formerly next to Foxborough Stadium. Um, But I'm surprised at how far they've fallen. And you know what it tells me? And I've always believed this, that winning is all it's really about. Like if you win, people think you're a first class franchise, regardless of what's going on. Mm -hmm. Travel, food, they could be serving you sloppy joes. I know how you kids like it. And... If you win the Super Bowl, people are like, yeah, that's a first-rate owner, first-rate facility, the whole thing. And then when you lose, the opposite is true. Like, you start to nitpick all the little things that really haven't changed over the years. And I'm not saying they're the best. Like, we know Bill Belichick. Remember last year when they went to Vegas and he was like, holy, this is the Taj Mahal of football. Boy, this is nice. It must be. Like, he went over the top. And we were already going down the road, I think, of this relationship ending. You know, he may not have known it definitively at the time, but... They were nitpicking. Um, but I do. I think some of it comes from the winning and the losing. It's a little like Bill. He was a hard ass for 20 years. And when did it bother people? The last four. Why? Because he lost. If he kept winning, they'd be like, yeah, he's an a-hole, but he's our a-hole, and we celebrate with a parade every February. Like, I just, so much of this is tied to the perceptions that come from winning and losing. And I'm not saying it's wrong. Like, they don't have a room for families. I've always thought it was weird. Then I exit the media room, and there's, like, a, a pipe and drape, and there's family yeah. members like Giselle eating off a, uh, <laughs> you know, fold-up picnic table or whatever that's out in the hallway. Yeah, That's and strange. For, yeah. And God forbid it's cold, and in the wintertime, everybody's yeah. still wearing their puffy coats. Right. The one thing that I thought was interesting, though, because first of all, I think all of this is insignificant in the big scheme of things when it comes to winning, but they do matter. Um the travel aspect was was interesting to me because they have their own plane. Yep. It's not like they're staying at the, you know, the Super 8 motel. You know, it's Marriott, it's a Hyatt, it's a Hilton, it's a nice hotel. It's not the Ritz. It's not the Four Seasons, damn it. You know, because, uh, again, I'm curious about that, that aspect of it because the, the plane always used to bug me more than anything. And now everybody's got their own freaking seat. feels like a first-class seat. You got your own TV, lots of space. That one was weird. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I haven't traveled for a while, but to me, they did everything you could ask them to do. I mean, they bring security to Gillette Stadium. You do security right there. You don't have to go to the airport, do anything there. You, you, what, what more is being done in the other cities that grade higher? I don't know. Uh, cause I, I think it's all, you know, the food is always good on the plane. They give you, you eat, I mean, some of those short trips, New York and Buffalo, you can't possibly eat as fast as they bring you the food that's delivered. And but you tried. 
Uh, yeah, the first few times, I'm not going to lie to you, I did try. I never said no. It, it's free. It was haagen yes, even though I just had cheesecake on the regular tray. Like, oh, you have big warm cookies now? Yes, I will take a cookie. Um, and then I learned, well, you probably could, you know, pick and choose your spots there. But, yeah, the travel one was a little bit interesting to me. And, again, I also wonder if things just get swayed. Like, when you're in a negative mood and you're a player, mm-hmm. like you're mad at Bill and you're mad at losing – do you automatically just go like a grade down on everything? Ah, I was going to put a C, but you know what? We suck. He's a dink. I'm putting D. So I, I think some of that infiltrates the grading there. Uh, Andy Hart of WEEI.com is uh, with us. And, of course, the Combine Hart is going on. Yeah. And uh, yesterday, it seems like based on the timeline here, Elliot Wolf had his like 15 minutes of the public press conference yesterday. And then I think the way this has gone down afterwards ended up making the comment about the uh, hard-ass vibe. Hard-ass yeah. vibe. Uh, what did you make of that from Elliot Wolf? And that he didn't say it at the podium when everybody was paying attention. Yeah, I just, first of all, these guys are obviously learning their way. Gerard Mayo and, and Elliot Wolf as spokesmen, you know, what they bring to the equation in that role and i also think it muddies the water now most teams have dealt with this forever having two voices like a gm talks at the combine and a coach talks at the combine the patriots always had one face one voice bill belichick so there's never been an ability really other than the occasional oh nick casario had a presser or matt grow had a presser before the draft you didn't really have a lot of chances to compare and contrast messaging. And are they sticking to the same script? Oh, are they butting heads? Is there something going on here? Um, in terms of all the veiled or not so veiled references to the past, and this has been going on for weeks now. I mean, when Gerard Mayo introduces Alex Van Pelt and those guys, and he says we, we multiple times, we don't have any egos on this staff, no more egos around here. I'm sorry, but he's a smart enough guy to know if he says that, Immediately, the listener, the reporter, the fan is saying, oh, so he's poking holes at Bill's ego over the last few years and where the hubris got in the way here in Foxborough. So he is smart enough to know that every comment made will be directly compared to Belichick and the way he handled things, even some that I don't think are fair. Like at the podium yesterday, when he said the uh, the Packer way was about drafting, developing, keeping, blah, blah, blah and treating people the right way, immediately people went to Bill. Oh, he was a jerk. He didn't treat people the right way. I don't think that was as much about, like, please and thank you and holding the door for people as it was treating people the right way person personnel-wise, like treating Jacoby Myers the right way, the guy that went from undrafted rookie to leading receiver, did everything you asked him to do, and then you let him walk over a million bucks? You haggled with him over a million dollars? Is that treating personnel the right way? Is that good for business? Is that good for the overall team development? Um, but I think more people just thought, oh, they don't like Bill, and Bill was a jerk to them down the stretch. And it, and then I thought it was interesting that Gerard kind of pushed back against it or tried to massage it today with his comments to the gathered media in Indy, saying, you know, everybody wants to jump to conclusions, but he had a lot of success, and obviously we'd love to rekindle and replicate some of that success but the reality is bill belichick was a jerk you know how i know that bill knew that bill said that i'm tough to play for it's a tough place to play Mm -hmm. i rub people he knew that he admitted it many times over the years so 
they're not saying anything Bill didn't say. Like he he knew exactly what the culture was that he was succeeding in, and they're just changing it. They're modernizing it. They're taking it in a more corporate culture direction. Yeah, yeah. Andy Hart here with us right now, and I do think um, they will regret it as far oh. as like opening the door and letting the media in, and you know being real open and honest. And to your point earlier, they're learning as they go. At what point in time do they realize, okay, holy crap, uh, I can't be this way anymore? Well, I think Gerard may have already realized it. I think between the comment I talked to you about Gresh when he made the comment about who they were taking and then you took it as, well, Mayo said they're taking a quarterback, and then the burn cash comment, which juxtaposition to that, yesterday we had uh, Elliot Wolf say, we might even save money to be determined. So they, I think, are realizing that – you know, as much as you're an energetic guy and having fun and doing interviews and you want to be liked and like, you got to be smart with your messaging. And there's certain things that are going to be picked apart. And I think Gerard may have already learned that lesson because as much as we want to hear it, haven't we learned in this town? Uh, the Celtics once were going to have fireworks on draft night. Everybody got excited. Nothing happened. The Red Sox were going to go full throttle this offseason. It affects the expectations of the public. And then when you don't go full throttle, well, what the hell happened, right? You're over-promising and under-delivering. And every business on earth tells you, nope, you want to flip that script. You want to under-promise and over-deliver. Tell people, you know, we're in a rebuild and we'll see where our opportunities may lie financially. And then, yeah. boom. Go sign a receiver. Go sign a tackle. And people are like, oh, my God, I didn't see this coming. This is the greatest free agent offseason ever. So I think they're learning some lessons as new youthful spokesmen for this football team. Lessons that, guess what? Bill had his snafus in Cleveland. He had five years to F up in the media in Cleveland and learn the way things are taken and learn when they're hanging you in effigy or whatever that phrase is outside the building that, okay, yeah, sometimes you got to play the game or sometimes saying nothing is the right thing or say less. Don't talk as much. Don't be as open. So I think Elliot Wolf and Gerard Mayo are learning that lesson and may have already learned it to some degree. Uh, Andy Hart of WEI.com is uh, with us. All right, you ready for $20 million for Onwenu and 17 for Duggar? Got to make them happy. Uh, see, there's that tone. You picked up the Rich Keith tone. I always tell Keith he's got a tonality issue, and you have that tone issue. What do you mean? You I uh, what are you talking about? You oh, and I, me? you and oh, I, me? you no. and I, you and I had the conversation of the twenty million dollar price point the day you yeah. were in for Christian, and uh, yep. I know that uh, I, I, I again hey, we're gonna make him happy. So yeah. we can't. We're not gonna franchise nobody. We're not gonna guarantee you twenty million dollars. But we'll, we'll, hey, Belichick was the Jedi mind trick guy. Maybe he taught some of us too. So I'm ready for them to pay uh, on Wenu. I, I think you have to. I am. Uh, and I know you may overpay. Um, some not, I mean, first of all, that happens when you have $100 million in cap space. Do you overpay for on Wenu, a guy who you know who he is, or do you overpay for Jonu Smith, some guy you're bringing in and you have this upside idea of what he might be, could be, should be? And then he isn't, and you get rid of him, and then the next team gets rid of him, and everybody regrets paying him a lot of money. I think Mike Onwenu is a critical part of what the Patriots... If you want to have a... I don't want to say quick turnaround, because I don't think this is going to be quick. I don't think they... Uh, um, Crapsheet had a, a post on Twitter <laughs> last night. Speaking you guys watch tone. that? Speaking that of That Crapsheet post where he's like, if you're the Patriots and you decide you might not be a Super Bowl contender this year, then you'd consider trade. Might not be a Super Bowl contender. 
there is no shot in Hades they're a Super Bowl <laughs> contender this year. Um, so even if you want it to be a relatively quick turnaround, I think Mike Onwenu is part of that process. Like, there's not a lot of tackles on the market. You're moving on from Trent Brown. You've already had tackle issues as it is. You know you can play him at multiple positions. I've never heard a bad word about Big Mike in the in the locker room. I, I don't, like he's not a Trent Brown. I don't think you're worried about those issues. You never know. Anybody you hand eighty million dollars to, it can change people. I'd love to find out someday um, if I would change. But no, I I think that's a good first step toward toward um, you know a good off season. Is keep that tone. guy. Have you have you ever been to the combine of all your oh, years like covering? Eighteen years in a row. Yeah. It, it, now it, it, we had a uh, what is it? Uh, it? Jeff Foster on who uh, yeah. runs it, right? I thought it was interesting. I'm curious. Um, out of the 18 years, like, did it change much at all for you, other than like the you know the lo- location and the hotels and stuff like that? But it's basically been the same since you were there. It grew. It blew up. It used to be a much smaller event with less media. Um, you used to get. You know, the group sessions with the bigger name players were like, oh, 20, 25 reporters. Now it's like 200 reporters, you know, around yeah. Caleb Williams or whoever it is. Um, and obviously, back in the day, it was for writers. Then it became a on TV, made for TV live event where they're putting everything. And then they expanded into showing, you know, allowing media into the drills, showing more of the drills, like that whole thing. So it's grown and it's become a TV event. Um, and and I'm always, it's one of those things you marvel at the way the NFL turned the draft into a three day event, the way yeah. they can turn this into a multi day event. But no, the, the foundation of it. I think is still the same. And if you ask the teams, first and foremost is medicals, and then second is the interviews. What do you think? Process. What do you think the most important drill is? Ah, uh, the most important drill. Well, I mean, everybody will tell you it isn't, but I think it's the forty. Guys get drafted on the forty. It just happens. They all tell you, no, we like football players. We want. Fo-. Holy crap! What that guy run? Let's see if we can get him on our team. They just do it from. Vernon Davis, Ben Watson, Mike Mamula. Oh, uh, big hits. <laughs> whoever, no, they most of them stink, and <laughs> yeah. they should learn the lesson. But even all these aged football people, when they see a 4-2-7 or a 4-3-4, they just get like icky-balooky, and they can't, they can't <laughs> help themselves. They just wonder what that guy will be. And there's been just enough hits out of those super-fast guys that keep luring people into making mistakes. So... Yeah, I still think it's the 40-yard dash that everybody pretends isn't that important. Uh, quickly, only because this just popped up on the uh, timeline. According to uh, Jets GM Joe Douglas, yeah. Zach Wilson has been given permission to seek a trade. <laughs> Is there any level of tr- – like, like does Zach Wilson affect any of either what could, might, or will happen with guys like Justin Fields and Mac Jones? Um. Well, you know I've kind of thrown out just would you do the garbage-for-garbage garbage deal of Mac Jones for Zach Wilson. If you can't find a better offer, if you've reached the point where you're maybe just going to cut Mac Jones, would you consider trading him for Zach Wilson to bring him in for the summer just on the off chance that Alex Van Pelt really is a QB whisperer and maybe he could do something with him? I think I would consider it if I can't find a better option. Um it adds a body to the market, and I guess you're probably swimming in similar pools. Former first-round quarterbacks who, you know, have 
blown up and now we're looking for so maybe if you're calling the 49ers hey supposedly you guys had interest at mac at three a couple years ago do you want him and they're like yeah but the jets are also on the phone and we kind of had interest with him too so very very minuscule uh, effect on the patriots i think the biggest one is simply would you consider consider the garbage for garbage deal and most people would not they yell yeah at me i i'm a little surprised you kind of uh went that way because i wonder if this is an indicator of how the rest of the league is looking at all those guys yeah you're gonna cut them anyway right well, I, well you know what i mean so the the reason i brought it up is i wonder if it's an indicator for the bears and the Patriots that, hey, they're allowing this kid from the Jets to go look for a trade because nobody really wants him. And I wonder if just if, if it's kind of a precursor to come for these teams that have these quarterbacks where other people would be like, yeah, I'd like to just pay under a million for that guy. He's only a four-year player. I'll wait till they cut him. So Right. And there's going to be a lot of QBs on the market. It's oh, not yeah. sexy. It's not a sexy carousel like we've had in past years. The a, fat middle is really fat uh, in terms right. of quarterbacks this year. Yeah. And if you pick the right one, maybe you could hit on somebody. Like Baker Mayfield was not a big signing with the Bucks, And now Baker Mayfield is considered a hundred plus million dollar re-signing with the bucks and he's a guy that some others would have interest in if he were to pursue the open market and then the other thing on zach wilson i would just throw out there is i don't know how you feel about this gresh but as you draft a quarterback let's just say they draft a quarterback at number three are you of the belief that you like to have similar quarterbacks on your roster to avoid the dramatic change whether a the number three pick doesn't make the team or he does make the team and he's the starter but then he gets hurt like do you want to kind of have similar skill sets and styles on your depth chart at the quarterback position Not, I, I don't know the answer to that yeah. and i don't know alex van pelt's answer In, interesting yeah we'll have to uh, unpack that with our friend andy hart who you can hear on the uh, breaking boston podcast and the six rings podcast as well and dealing with the snarkiness of keith twice twice a week it's I, I now know why John Farrell hated Richard. <laughs> oh, wow. That's why I love him. Hart, thank you, buddy. We appreciate you. Hey, buddy. See you guys. Uh, coming up, how far would you go if you thought you were screwed out of $340 million? And remember last week when Johnny Manziel accused Brian Hoyer of being a big meanie? Big deal, no big deal is next. A-U-D-A-C-Y. Type that into your app search, then download. Gresh and Fourier on W-E-E-I. All right, big deal, no big deal coming up right now, but just real quick uh, programming note. Danny Green, three-time NBA champ, will join us at 1 o'clock. Love it. He's going to be joining us throughout the playoffs, right? Because we all know that the Celtics were going to the playoffs. I'm not sure. It might be cart before the horse. They, Ken Laird's got to button oh, that up. Oh, okay. I thought that was that they, again. That's the more goal. bad information. I feel like Ken Laird giving me bad information. I thought it was a done deal. I think no. I'm on a. I think I'm on a separate string than you. Are you assuming? No, 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 no. I'm gonna say we're gonna will it you into have your existence. Own, you have your own text string with Ken. Is yeah, that what it's you're like saying? when I walk to go get a coffee, I bump into him. It's like, hey, what's going on with this guy, Danny Green? Well, let's try him out. See Is that how the we. One Justin's on. Huh? Is that the one Justin Turpin's on? No, no, just me. It's where I talk about everybody behind your back. That's how it works. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right, so what would you do 
if you thought somebody screwed you out of $340 million, dress, I'd probably lose my mind. I mean, you would lose, like, you would literally go nuts, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, if I thought that uh, I had what would essentially be a winning lottery ticket. Yeah. Yeah. So this is a story. I'm going to play a clip real quick from uh, Chicago Channel 7 ABC News where a man is suing Powerball, claiming that he sold $340 million after incorrect winning lottery numbers were posted on a website. And from Washington, D.C. is suing the Powerball, saying it owes him $340 million. 60-year-old John Cheeks says the incorrect winning Powerball numbers were posted on the game's website. Cheeks bought a ticket in 2023 for the January 7th drawing. He says the number on the website had changed by January 10th. Last year, Powerball's website agency claimed it accidentally posted Cheeks' winning numbers to the D.C. lottery website mm. and didn't remove the mistake <laughs> until the 9th. But the agency says Cheeks is trying to capitalize on an obvious error from the lotto website. His attorneys argue he should still be paid based on past situations where Powerball paid declared winners in a similar situation in 2013. I feel a settlement mm-hmm. coming on. Oh, is that uh, like a, is that like feeling the bubble guts, lady? Jeez, oh, uh, big deal, no big deal. Like the energy on that show sucks. Uh, well, it was a news report. They're, they're hardened news people. They're not <laughs> on to dance a little thing for you. A little bit of energy with your with your message. All right, so here's what happened. The dude buys a lottery ticket. Uh, the numbers are posted up on the website. Yep. He looks at his ticket. He's like, holy crap, I won. Correct. He thinks he's $340 million richer. Well, sure enough, the numbers were put up on the website incorrectly. For some reason or not, he still thinks he should get credit for winning the lottery ticket. And now he's suing big deal, no big deal. It's a very big deal. You know why? One word, precedent. A Powerball has screwed this up before and they had to pay somebody out and I think it's gonna uh it's gonna happen again on a much smaller level. Again, there's there's legal precedent to where, you know, some lawyer looks at this and goes, Hey, listen, you ain't getting the whole thing. So but there's enough here. They What uh, are you suing for, Gresh? Getting your hopes up? No. Is that what you, is that what and the a, lawsuit and, said? And you and got a, my hopes up, a, I thought I won. An official Powerball website that they did not correct had those up there for three days for this guy to think, yes. I'm a winner. He went to go try to collect and everything, and they were like, oh, you should just throw that ticket away. The guy went and put it in a safety deposit box because he did the research on the whole, hey, this has happened before. I might be able to get a bag for this. So, no, it's a well, big deal it. because they uh, the Powerball people screwed up or make that individual lottery I would pony say, up to the guy. Okay, at least there needs to be some sort of pain and suffering, and, and maybe there is because maybe he went out and bought a car bought a new watch or something like this because he thought he was going to be winning all this money because obviously the website won't be wrong when it comes to $340 million. I got my hopes up, Your Honor. I want to be paid for it. Yep. And it, hey, it happened to this lady in Chula Vista in 2016. I'd like a bag like her. <laughs> I think you're right, though. I think they will somehow. Maybe, probably not the whole $340 oh, million, no, 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 no. But, but there will be something that they still, have to kind of. If you think you're owed $340 million and they say we owe you nothing, and then it's like, uh, remember in Seinfeld with Jackie Childs and, uh, and Kramer, he ended up becoming like the Marlboro Man because he like jumped at the first deal. That's what I feel like it would be like. All right, we'll give you two and a half million. So jump across the table and shake that <laughs> hand and take that money. All right, I want to slide this one in here before we get to Danny Green. Um, so last week, um, Johnny Manziel was on uh, Club Shay Shay with uh, Shannon Sharp. Yep. And he told a story about what a big meanie Brian Hoyer was. Well, he didn't talk to him. He was condescending. He didn't help him at all. 
Well, the other day, Brian Hoare was on uh, Good Morning Football. Yep. And they asked him to respond to this take. Here's what he said. I'm on, I'm on my uh, vacation last week in Florida, and I get a text from Mac Jones. He goes, hey, funny, I didn't get this treatment as a rookie. Mm. And uh, look, I'll be honest. You know, Johnny's right. That was an opportunity for me to go out and be the starter of my hometown team. But I was kind of apathetic towards him, I would say. You know, I didn't go out of my way to you know, be a jerk to him. But in the same sense, I was trying to win this job and go out and perform the best I could. Um, you know, I feel sorry that he feels that way about it. I've, I always looked at it like, you know, I never had any animosity towards Johnny. If anything, it was towards the owner and the GM who mm. were always trying to push him ahead of me when clearly he wasn't ready and I was going to be the starter. So, you know, it's 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 unfortunate that, you know, that left a, a bad taste in his mouth. But, um, you know, like I said, never had any animosity towards Johnny. And, you know, I feel bad that he feels that way. But, you know, I don't really recall it being that way either. So was that the first time you watched it? Oh, uh, when Max sent it to me. Okay. Yeah, Max sent it to me. He texts me. I'm on the beach. I'm like, oh, God, here we go. Yeah. You know, like. All right, so it's, I guess it's big deal, no big deal. Brian Hoyer not apologizing whatsoever. And then the fact that Mac Jones sent him the clip. Um, Big deal. Big deal because Hoyer puts into perspective, really, whenever you get an opportunity in the NFL, it's got to be about you. I think we romanticize that that Christian Fourier would be mentoring people in the middle of his career when it's your high-earning years (laughs) the way you would have at the end of your career when you were the guy in the locker room to be like, dummies, don't do that. Like, yeah, yeah, NFL players are independent contractors. That's why they try to hold the line on contract, although they started to think of the money and sort of roll over a little bit. But good for Hoyer. It was his opportunity. He's also under no right to take a knucklehead that the organization drafted and say, no, do it this way. I'm going to be the guy. He's not. It's not captain, save a quarterback. I, I agree with you. And I said the romanticizing is a good word for how people view those situations right. and how maybe a new rookie may view the situation. I'm the first round pick. You're supposed to mentor me. You're the big, uh, you're the veteran quarterback. Hey, everybody knows you're not going to get the job. Why aren't you helping me out? I wouldn't do it either. There's not a chance in hell I would give you any information if I thought you were a threat. You would Zero. Be, you'd be being a good teammate without being asked to, but it's not required. The difference between being a good mentor to a younger player um, and a bad mentor to a younger player is timing. Where am I at in my life? Do I care anymore? Am I just trying to string it along? And I will mentor you and motivate you and encourage you. All right, that's big deal, no big deal. I love it. Let's talk some NBA. Three-time world champion and Odyssey's newest NBA insider, Danny Green, will join us next. Gresh and Fourier. On WEEI. Download the Odyssey app and listen on demand anytime. 101 Gresh and Fourier. Well, joining us now is, uh, I guess we can say, uh, welcome to the company. I do not use the word, I do not use the word family. We'll have to get to that a little bit later on because uh, joining us now on the Harbor One Hotline is the newest Odyssey NBA insider. Uh, he is the uh, host of Inside the Green Room with Danny Green three times. NBA world champion Danny Green here with Gresh Ooh. and Fourier to talk some Celtics. Danny, first of all, welcome to the company and <laughs> welcome to Gresh and Fourier. How are you? 
I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you oh. embracing me and the company oh. and, and to the show today. Oh, my God. We've been dying to talk to somebody outside <laughs> of, like, you know, the family, so to yeah. speak, or outside of the Celtics mm-hmm. family because, Danny, you spent a long time in the NBA, and there has now mm-hmm. been a lot of talk about Jason Tatum and the MVP. We here kind of feel like that there's got to be the talk around it to get it out there so that people can realize, holy crap, this guy shouldn't be plus 3,000 on the betting line to win the MVP. Is that just the way it goes in the league where you have to have somebody stand up and really stump for you the way people have the last two weeks to be able to get on the radar to win an award like that? Yeah, I think it's tough. I mean, it's hard to penalize a guy for having a great team. Um, but because he has so many good teammates around him, it's hard for him to get the same recognition. When you have a Chris Porzingis, a Drew Holiday, a Jalen Brown, you know it's it's tough to advocate him as the best player, most valuable in the league, um, because so they people think without when the games he misses that the team would do well, and if he wasn't a part of the group, that they would still be a playoff team, um, which is unfair. Because there's definitely years where you know Golden State had a really good group, and you know Steph Curry or Kevin Durant was considered higher for MVP race when they had a really good team. But yeah, I guess you, you have to do a little bit more um, marketing, advocating. I don't know, but he definitely deserves more recognition for being in that conversation there. You know, eight games above you know the next second you know best team in the East. And, you know, they're the best record in the league. So I think he should definitely be considered. Yeah, you mentioned marketing. I, I do think it's interesting how players on his own team, you know, people, national media analysts kind of finally kind of, you know, mentioning it. I do feel like that may be his best chance to kind of make up the difference as far as the guys who are ahead of him right now. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think if they just keep winning. Also, I think because they're just expected to win and they've been winning on the radar. And I guess the games that they've won – um, you know, to the fans or to the, the, I guess, the average eye of people that don't know the game. They're just like, oh, they're supposed to win. They're not winning that greatly. You know, they're not winning by enough or they're not blowing teams out the way they should. And his numbers are decent, but they're not as good. They're not Luka numbers. But it's, it's you know, we take it for granted what Luka, Jokic, and all those guys are doing. Um, it's tough, but those teams are not in the same seed. Um, but it's, it's really hard to do. And the numbers he's putting up is hard to do. But he's gotten better every year. Um, I know one year he'll win it if it's not this year. But I think more importantly for him and, and them, their focus should be a, a championship because I think this is their year. This is their championship to lose this year. Well, them in Denver, I think they should be in the finals for sure. And I think it should be them in Denver in the finals. And I think that they have the team and the depth to do it this year. It's going to come down to coaching. And I think Joe, Joe Mazzola might be ready this year you know, with the experiences he's had in the past couple of years in the playoffs. Odyssey NBA insider Danny Green is with us. Insider calls brought to you by the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe, equipped for adventure. Interesting to hear you say that, Danny, on the whole. Now with the experiences ready for the moment. As a guy who played a bunch of years in the league, how did you know when a coach was ready for the quote-unquote big moment? Well, I was I was lucky to have a, a coach that had was ready before I even got there. So I, I was uh, I was spoiled. I was said I was fortunate to have Pop. He already knew what he knew what he was doing. I just had to follow his lead. I would see Timmy, Tony, and Manu. Uh, but with Nick, you know, it was his first year, so it was hard to tell. It was hard to see um, what that would look like. Um, with Frank and, and then Doc, they have been around for a little while, and I know Frank had been in the in the uh, I guess the East Indiana, and you know, 
some different places before that. But uh, and Doc, he's been in the league for over two decades at the time, so I know he had some experience. Um, but just the experience for me of seeing how it was done with Pop let me to be able to um, know, I guess, what it should look like. And I took those experiences and, and that run with San Antonio and, and be able to use it when I was with Toronto, when I was with, you know, LA. Even though LA, we had a bunch of veterans, so it's not like we needed, uh, I think our whole group was ready because it wasn't just coaching. Um, but usually when you have a younger group, you need more on the coaching side. So when we're in Toronto, it's a younger group. Philly, we had some younger guys. So using that and experience from San Antonio and bringing it to the younger groups uh, helps a ton. What what was Popovich's coaching style like for you? Was it, you know, when you talk about, we've been spending so much time lately talking about coaching and, you know, you got to be coaches, mm-hmm. players need to be heard and you can't coach unless you give, you know, the players a platform and a voice. I'm curious what your relationship was and how much you appreciate the way Popovich coached you back in the day. I appreciate it a ton now. I mean, at the time, it was tough. It's not easy to play for. You know, he, he gets the best out of you by pushing you. You know, he'll push your buttons. He'll find ways to make you angry or, you know, whichever way makes you play your best. And I think he found out for me, I played my best basketball when, you know, I was angry. Some guys, when they when they had fear in them, you light a fire in them, it, it makes them, you know, you know, perform their best. So he knew how to do that, but he ran a, a pretty tight ship. Uh, and now, I don't know how different it is now, but I'm sure it is a little different with the younger group and, trying to, you know, rebuild. But back then, I said it was, it was either you, you're going to do your job or you're going to find somebody else to do it. And it was a well-oiled machine, and you could plug and play. Whoever was out, whether it was Timmy, Tony, or Mono, they sat out. We had guys to back up to know what to need to be done and, and figure it out and play, you know, good team basketball. We would still win games without those guys. Danny, the Celtics have played 58 of the 82 games. As of right now, they have a seven-and-a-half game lead, and we're all looking at it up here as keep – everybody healthy can you sort of talk about the fine line that joe missoula has to walk of still winning games keeping the team sharp but giving your individual players enough rest so they can make it to the postseason and then kind of crank it up once you get there can you kind of sort of walk us through maybe how the celtics might be able to navigate the next 25 or so games to get to the point to where they can meet the objectives and be ready for the playoffs at the same time. Yeah, well, it also depends on their schedule. I think it would be good to have some good games toward the end of the season. Um, you know, it would help test them. If they had some teams above 500 or playoff teams, uh, those would be fun. But you can find ways to rest a guy or two here or there. Since there's so many games up, they can rest the guy, you know, maybe once a week. There's about four, 15, 14 games left. So if they wanted to, you know, rest Drew or Chris Paps, you can find the, the, the final week, maybe I'd say a couple games before the last couple games, because there's, there's a break after the regular season before the playoffs start. And I think, you know, Pop was great at mat- micromanaging minutes and also figuring out how to keep guys fresh, uh, but also, you know, not getting anybody hurt. So when you're up that many games, you want to be able to, you know, obviously win the games to play. I think play the, the full games out, you know, pretty hard, the ones that are the playoff teams, to see where you're at and see how ready, how battle-tested you are. Uh, but said so the other games, you can give your younger guys a chance to, to play more and rest some of your older guys. And, you know, toward the end of the season, last five games, you can play certain guys a half, you know, maybe, or, you know, a quarter, and then keep them fresh, and, but also let them a chance to rest. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, that's, that's on Joe to figure that out and see how their schedule is. I don't know who they have upcoming or who they have left on the road or at home, but I think they should take advantage of you know, playing the good teams, and then also resting guys when they're playing the teams that are below 500. So we're talking so, Celt- I guess outside the playoffs. 
So we're talking Celtics basketball. We're on the phone with Odyssey NBA insider Danny Green on the Harbor One hotline. And I'm curious, so like you said, a collision course with Celtics and the Denver Nuggets. But looking at the East, out of the teams that are, you know, uh, you know, playoff uh, caliber teams, who do you think is the, the biggest threat to the Celtics? Man, um, I think the Knicks, honestly, when they're healthy, they have the pieces that match up. Um, I think Milwaukee is a great team. I just don't know if they have the defensive pieces to match up with Jalen and Jason. They're a really good team. They have Doc there. So they're going to be coached pretty well and, and experienced. They have experience with playoff uh, um, coaching. Um, so I think you know, Milwaukee is a good team, but I think really the toughest matchup would be the Knicks. And if Philly gets healthy, if Joel, you just can't count Joel Embiid out if he's you know, an MVP, MVP caliber player and he's healthy in the playoffs. Um, and Tyrese Maxey, I think those two guys are a tough combo. Then you got Tobias Harris and have some good wings. They're playing good basketball. They have enough wings to match up and kind of guard Jason and Jalen. The other night they played them pretty well without you know Joel, um, which I thought Boston should have beat them you know handedly, but they didn't because you know Philly's a tough team. Yeah, Philly looked uh, pretty good. Plus, Maxie got hot as a pistol, and they just uh, turned that guy loose. Insider Calls brought to you by the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe, equipped for adventure with capable features like available H-Track all-wheel drive and standard third-row seating. Odyssey NBA uh, insider Danny Green is with us. And, Danny, uh, when the Celtics went and got Kristaps Porzingis, my first thought was he's not Jokic, but he's a unicorn like Jokic. Is that really the key piece for the Celtics moving forward in trying to match up against Denver? Or does uh, a Jokic versus, uh, I don't know, like a Kristaps comparison not really kind of work in this scenario? How do you view Porky Porzingis? No, I think he's definitely an X factor um, because of how he could stretch the floor. And I think the biggest key is his pain protection. But And I think what also helps is you have Al Horford. So you can have a guy like Al Horford body Jokic and have him come a weak side and help him protect the paint with guarding Aaron Gordon or something like that. So I think they have the piece. I think the only thing that they lack is the depth. And I think Denver doesn't have the depth they have from last year. Um, so that's where it's going to be a battle of coaching and matchups. But, you know, I think, you know, Boston could use a little more depth off the bench. And I think – Denver as well, but I think they have the pieces to match up with Denver and, and keeping Jokic under control with having Al Horford. If he stays healthy and, and Porzingis, those two bigs, you know, Jokic has spoken about how the double bigs have given them trouble. Um, so that would be, you know, a, a matchup or a lineup I, I could see Boston going with. Danny, this was great stuff, man. We hope it is the uh, first of many. Uh, welcome to the sure. uh, welcome to the company, and hopefully, we're going to uh, catch up a lot with you uh, around playoff time and uh, heading into the playoffs. Thanks a bunch. We appreciate the time. Yes, sir. Appreciate you guys. Thank you. There we go, Danny Green. He's uh, the newest Odyssey NBA insider. Insider calls brought to you by the all new Hyundai twenty twenty four Santa Fe, equipped for adventure. Uh, really good breakdown there. And from somebody who has no ties here either, there's no bias. There's no ties. 14 years in the NBA, three world championships, saw it with Popovich, saw the rise of Nick Nurse, who's now with the 76ers. And then, of course, the whole experience with the Lakers and all that kind of stuff. So he's seen a, uh, a thing or three before in the NBA. Yeah. No. Um, I thought the, I thought the Porzingis answer was the real big pull for me that Porzingis to this Celtics team 
is every bit as important as Jokic is to Denver, even though Jokic is the better player, is up there in terms of, you know, MVP with a guy like Jason Tatum, but it just goes to show how important the unicorn really is. I I know. I think we saw it in the very first regular season game when he went off on the Knicks, the team that Danny Uh Green thinks is their, you know, their biggest threat. They're junkyard dogs. That's no, that, they're that's, a tough team. That's the thing about again. It's so funny. We talk about oh, hard ass coaches and are you tough and da da da. That guy Leon Rose, who's running the Knicks, a former agent, clearly has a lean and a like of the players that he wants. And to me, he's putting together one of those teams a little bit like Miami, but they're even edgier. Like if you're playing them in the park. They're the team that's going to get into a five-on-five brawl with you. I think that's the kind of sort of mentality that guy wants to build with that club. Yeah, and I don't know if you saw this, um, and I meant to bring it up to you because uh, with that comment, there there is this uh, – oh, here it is. Um, the NBA's competition committee has officially begun reviewing whether the game has become too advantageous for offense – and whether some changes need to be implemented to achieve better balance. Yeah, stupid NBA. I, don't they know it's 2024? We don't do no defense no more. I Listen, I yes, I do think you do. It, it doesn't make the game. Like, so what the Celtics did last night, right? They, 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 couldn't, they couldn't get the three-pointer, right? The, the, right. the Sixers were going to take it away. And they just changed their... The way they attack the uh, uh, right, yep. the way they do their business, they just it took worked it more out. The rim, yep. I, I they listen, adapted. I like it. I want it to be more physical. I don't want it to be as easy for guys to shoot. I do want them to have to. I want hand checking back in the league. Mm-hmm. These are. All, I mean, it, it's still a good game. And eventually, thank God, they're finally starting to admit that it's a little bit too easy. Uh, agreed. So, I mean, toughness should be an asset for your team can't clothesline somebody no but it it feels like it feels like we want to just denounce that part of it you know toughness comes in more ways than just jacking somebody in the face or kicking someone in the nards or whatever uh i don't know man i don't know i like when i saw that i was like man this is this is good news now whether or not they'll do anything about it remains to be seen uh the latest from the combine and one more nugget on deflate gate Save us as a favorite on the Odyssey app. And take Boston Sports Original everywhere you go. Gresh and Fourier. On WEEI. I I don't want to get everybody down. Oh, no. Come on. We're almost done. What are you doing? We got some some bad news that just came in. Oh, jeez. I don't even know what you're talking about. I don't even know what you're talking about. Billy, I don't know if you uh, saw this or not. Billy, I don't know if you saw this or not, but God rest Virgil, 61 years old, WWE uh, superstar. Foye, back in the day, you might have remembered (laughs) (laughs) the million-dollar man, Ted DiBiase. You don't even know what I'm going to say. I remember remember Ted DiBiase. Remember the guy who was his butler, servant, whatever? They named him Virgil. Okay. He was an African-American gentleman who wrestled in Memphis as Soul Train Jones. (laughs) And then uh, when they uh, brought him up to uh, be the guy who basically walked around with the million dollar man Ted DiBiase this guy Virgil who uh, didn't save his money let's say um, 
was Foyer all about uh, going to these sort of like uh, events, like uh, gatherings of, you know, Comic Cons or whatever. And they famously had Lonely Virgil set up where there's his table and it says WWE's Virgil. And there's like no line for the guy. And everybody started to feel Aww. real bad for him. And then the guy who ran the Iron Sheik's Twitter, I think, got a hold of Virgil's. It ended up creating this thing about how Virgil just went city to city to get Olive Garden and have some meat sauce. And you can go down the road as to that whole innuendo. And it turned into kind of a funny thing. But, uh, yeah, I think the real name is uh, Mike Jones. Mike Jones? Not hmm. anymore. 61, Virgil, wow. has passed away. That and sucks. his name was a rib. His name was a joke on the wrestler the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes. Because his real name is Virgil Runnels. Well, it was. He's dead. So, really, Cody Rhodes is not Cody Rhodes. He's Cody Runnels' real-life name. But, anyway, Dusty's real name was Virgil. So, they made the assistant to the million-dollar man, which at the time was supposed to be sort of Vince McMahon, the pro wrestler. Mm. Right? In okay. the mid-80s. All right. So, they're just messing around with everybody. But, yes, Virgil. That's it's a gone. big, big wrestling Thoughts and death. prayers. Yeah. I wonder if... Uh, Billy, do they, uh, what kind of uh, in memoriam do they do on SmackDown on uh, Friday? It's just going to be a highlight video of him counting the money. I think so. I think so. It'll be a quick one. They'll do it at the beginning. God rest Big Verge. All it might that. even just be a photo. Like, it might not, they probably might even have a montage. Like, like just do the, uh, at the very beginning, it's the Mike Jones, and then they'll have Virgil in quotes, and then his, you know. Because well, sadly, like, his his claim to fame was just being the manager. That's right. Like, even when he went single, like, went as a solo wrestler, nobody really yes. cared. And Didn't he have a briefcase just filled with money? Did he uh, walk around that with was the Million Dollar Man, yeah. And Virgil would, at times, uh, carry the briefcase. Okay. Apparently, uh, Virgil was also uh, known for uh, a part of his body oh, that geez. only the, you know, if he were a coach for the Rams, you'd be able to verify. Put it that way. But I'll leave it at that. Uh, let's get to something very pertinent. Deflate gate. Yeah. Uh, because it's come back up once again in uh, the dynasty, as uh, we know, and we've, uh, you know, or people will find out, I guess, because that is coming up. And uh, Peter King was one of, I would say, Fourier, the many NFL writers at a national level who had always been getting good info from the NFL and got burned because of how deep the NFL really wanted to go on this Deflategate deal. So not only do you have Chris Mortensen, who did the whole 11 of 12 footballs, never retracted no, it. No, 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 no. I'm glad you brought that up. Do you know he did retract it? He did? Well, no, no. No. You know, he, he, hold on. He tweeted it. Hold on. Yeah. And so he never took it down. There you go. I had called Chris Mortensen. I called him. I talked to him on the phone in the old building because we were talking about it like crazy. And he, he asked for my advice. He's like, what should I do? I said, you should take it down. Yeah. He took it down two minutes later like it never happened. And then, of course, everyone ended up like just completely killing him for it. But he needed that was he needed to take it down. I was on the phone with him. It took too and long. And I convinced him to take the tweet down. Wow. Yeah, that that happened in the old building. That's I remember amazing. Leaving, going, we were ripping. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, Mort, listen, 
It ain't going away until you take the stupid thing down. It's not true. Well, I know that Judy Batista got wrapped up in this. I got lectured by somebody over at Comcast once about that. <laughs> her, her name. Yeah, well, it's yeah. better than yours, pal. She's a saint. Yeah, right. She got burned. And Peter King also. In fact, it ties into the whole Mortensen thing. Well, Peter King, we know, is he's out. He's walking away from covering the NFL. He is going off into sweet retirement. But he joined the morning show on CBS Sports Radio yesterday, Maggie and Perloff, and they asked him about his biggest professional regret, and it was Deflategate. Probably the biggest mistake I made in my career that I regret to this day, and when I think about it, my heart sinks, is I confirmed the ESPN story about the deflated footballs after uh, Deflategate first hit the scene it was a monday night and i called two people who i was sure would know exactly what happened and they both confirmed the espn story and so i wrote it talked about it and it turns out i was wrong and that brought me a lot of shame and that I, that really bothers me to this day that i was wrong because it doesn't matter that who i talked to it doesn't matter who uh, told me anything. It's my rear end on the line when I say something, when I confirm a story, and I was wrong. And that's something that will haunt me, really. It, uh, it bothers me, literally bothers me to this day. But having said that, I've always thought that in that case, that was Roger Goodell killing an ant with a sledgehammer. Okay, so... He's been getting a lot of heat for that. So he tweeted out uh, a reply to the video that that show released. And he said, listen, this isn't the first time I've done this. I mentioned this back in 2015. Just nobody's been paying attention. And now that we're doing a whole retrospective on my life, this is still the thing I'm most ashamed of. This, this, I, I hate like the deflate aspect, deflate gate aspect of this whole dynasty because it reminds me of COVID. It reminds me of COVID Everybody talking crazy, picking sides, talking nonsense, running with leads, sources that they can't, you know, defend. You know, Mark Brunel crying on the set of ESPN. Which is so... Mortensen, like, not taking the tweet down. Everybody picking sides. You know, you, you got the whole... Brady in court, you got the Wells report in context, you got PSI, you got the, the Wells report in, in general, then the Wells report in context, and all the money and time and energy they spent on this thing. It is amazing that this actually happened. And that's why I think about it with COVID. When I think about how miserable I was during COVID, it's the same thing. It's like you're fighting and arguing over some nonsense. And it was an obvious witch hunt. By the league, again, on the Patriots, and blah, blah, blah. And all these guys were part of it. Mm-hmm. All of them just sucking up to all their sources, and finally the sources used them. Yeah, what it goes to show is the level to which the NFL wanted to go to prove their point. That's the scary part of this. I know that it would be poked fun at the writers and the reporters and the people who got burned, but... This was, and there is no other way for Roger Goodell to spin this, if ever asked about it, that it goes to show that people at the league level were complicit in deceiving people during this. So 
we're supposed to sit here, and I know that they'll get into it in the dynasty and stuff, but to me, when Ted Wells got sent in, it wasn't go investigate the facts. It was go prove us right. Very different. In an, there is, you, you know what would happen in the real Independent. world? Well, you know what would happen in the real world? People would be screaming, dirty investigators, dirty cops, whatever in the world it would be. Oh, they're just trying to CYA and all that kind of stuff. This was just on a business level. And they did it to smear the name of their biggest star, their greatest player in the history of their league now has to live with this and have people like Peter King who covered the league for 40 years with a tremendous reputation who have to say, you know what? My source burned me. Where was your source? In the league office. So you're getting burned by the league itself. I know. With, and, a, with and an now, agenda as it is. Oh, yeah. And then now that guy who you went out of your way to smear because people were mad at the crafts because Spygate wasn't punished enough. Now that guy is going to be sitting in the number one chair on one of your three biggest games every week. And all those people are going to say, I believe in that guy. I like his analysis. I uh, Tom Brady, blah, 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 whatever. And in the back of our minds, it's going to be the NFL are such sons of bitches. They went this far to hurt people's reputations to get out bad info. I, I think that it, it is, is as oh. yeah, yeah. And then the whole like, hey, they didn't hire Ted Wells, you know, to do an independent survey to find no. out what the truth was. They found it to make sure they were right. Yep. And this is the closest. This is they didn't even say he was right. They didn't say he was wrong. No, nope. it was more probable than not. Right. All right, we're gonna suspend you. I just didn't believe what Tom Brady had to say. Right, it's, it's pathetic. Everything about it was so pathetic and needy and judgmental, and it is amazing. In any other sport, like he doesn't like he, he doesn't murder anybody. We're talking about the PSI of a football. That's the, it was and, a, and it that's, was so well. The integrity of the game is very important to us. So you realize, oh yeah, you know, and maybe if maybe if Spygate never happens, this isn't a thing. I hate to revisit this because it drives me freaking nuts, but maybe it's not a thing. Uh, no. It, it, how about this? I, I, what you can definitively say is that if Spygate never happens, it doesn't get to the duplicitous level of the league lying to people who cover it to put out knowingly bad info. Yeah, amazing. Knowingly bad. It's it, not like the league can say, hey, listen, we screwed it up. Here's why. There's been, There's never been any of that. It's the, oh, well, they did something wrong, therefore they must be guilty, and you're right. Oh, Because let me ask you this. How many times since 2017 have you watched a pro or college game? So there would have been thousands of football games since then. How many times did you sit there and go, you know what? I wonder what the PSI is in that football. Did you watch the Super Bowl and sit there and say, well, goddamn wonder if it's at 12 and a half PSI. No one. I don't care. You hated the Patriots. Even the asshats in like a Twitch chat or want a troll or a texter or whatever. No one since Deflategate has watched a football game and turned to someone and been like, well, I wonder what the ball pressure is in there. They should really check that. 
I know. Even the whole like universal, what is it, universal gas law or something like that, whatever that is when it yeah, comes yeah, to yeah, the right. temperature be, dropping. Yeah, like, no, it would be the science it was, behind it. Yeah, it was like there's proven it, by it, a seventh grader in like Malden or something. Exactly. Yeah. I, I think about that Wells report and I think about how long it was and it and all the pictures of they showed the, you know, the um or there was it the little uh, um the, like the little PSI gauge, the PSI yeah, gauge, yeah, the little gauge to the whole deflator to Dorito Dink to all to all the p- players that were involved and all the lives that were ruined and the reputations that were ruined. And after all this is being said and done, after all you hear everything that Brady went through, I like him ten times more based on it because I don't know if I have the ability to not hold a grudge, especially after I won the Super Bowl and, and Roger Goodell is up there on the podium. I don't know how he did it. I don't know how he kept doing it. I think I would hold a grudge for life. You tried to ruin me. I, you tried I, to ruin everything about me. And I got to act like I give a crap about you? You know what's interesting is when you go back and you watch that ceremony, number one, how quickly Goodell gets yeah, the hell he out runs. of there. But did, did you watch Belichick behind him? No. Go back because I know that we have for the dynasty, yeah. right? Yep. Go check out that episode, and I'm, I bet you Coop might even be able to bring it up, but when Goodell is getting ready to hand over the trophy after winning that Super Bowl after Deflategate, right? Um, Goodell, I mean, Belichick is in the back, and like where you are to me, where I'm kind of, that's where Goodell was with his back turn, and Bill is woofing at him. Really? I'm, I'm convinced. There's something being said Get the hell off the stage. Something along those lines. And I don't think Bill was the only guy who was thinking that, by the way. I have a funny feeling one of the crafts might have been. Uh, But if you go back and watch, I'm pretty convinced that unless I'm, you know, hallucinating or whatever, when when they're getting, when when Goodell's getting ready and he's talking to Kraft or whatever, Belichick's in the background putting the bad mouth on Somebody, it seems like, because he wasn't saying it with kind of like a smile, you know, hey, you didn't think we even do it, ah, big hug yeah. or whatever. No, no, no. You tried to ruin me. No. Ah, it didn't work. That's right. Ah, you tried to ruin my family. No. Ah, man, I got one on you. It it looks like there is some, he's I'm telling of, you. Because there's they, no way Goodell couldn't hear it. Now, now again, like the, the shining star in all of this, just as far as like maybe like a whole like you know oh no this is the, what Coop's got on Twitch right now is the no uh, no is this, the MVP this trophy. would be right after the uh, game and you could tell Brady didn't want to be anywhere yeah. near Goodell yeah and Goodell's a congressman or his dad was a congressman he has no feelings yeah. for this and again at forty five million a year I probably wouldn't have feelings either I, I'm I'm just <laughs> it is so crazy to think that he has such a high level like if I was to talk to a behavioral expert. And like how to not have a grudge and how to get over a grudge, whatever. The fact that this guy was able, and maybe because he actually won in the end, right? Every time somebody tried to get rid of him, he so the, he so won. The winner goes. Yeah, the he was the winner. Like thing. he proved him wrong. He was the last man standing. And every situation of this guy's life, every single situation in his life, he always came out on top. And he always, as crazy as it sounds, on the whole, did the right thing contractually, you know, like there was never really a time where Brady threw his weight around, but, oh, I would not have. Oh, my God. No, I I don't. I don't. I just wouldn't do it. I don't know how he did it because he didn't need to. This wasn't in his contract. Hey, you got to play nice with Roger Goodell. 
I would have turned my back on him. I would not have even looked at him. Absolutely. I would have sent somebody else up, you know, to to receive the MVP for me. I'm busy. I'm with you. And find the biggest goofball around. I'm with you. It would have been, oh, yeah. In a clown suit with a clown noise. Send up a a Kelsey in a a pair of overalls. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I would have done. Oh, man. I I, I had to get that out of the way. Peter King kind of. Ruffled my feathers a little bit. And I, lo- I like Peter King a lot, but he's another one that got screwed in the whole situation. You've had a hell of a week with the English language yeah, so it far. It happens. Huh? I get excited. It happens. What do you want me oh, to do? Oh, that is true. No, I just wonder if your tongue's okay. I know you've had surgery. I do have like a little kicker sore on my tongue oh, a little bit right now. Oh, that'll do it. That so, means you told a lie. Did you ever hear it? that? Or maybe I ate something like acidic. Maybe get a that there's there's oh, you the ate old, something acidic. It's like no, I, well, I ate pineapple. That. No, but it's one of those. Uh, what do they call it? It's like a wives' tail or something, or like a nana's tail. Where they'd be like, uh, "Oh, nana, I got a canker on my tongue." Well, did you lie, Christian? Yeah, for every old wives' tail, there's a scientific reason behind it. Ooh, like the farmer's almanac. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Should write a book about that. Have you ever what? You want to write a book about the Farmer Farmer's Almanac? No, write a book about all the old wives' tales that are bullcrap. Like you really, you do know there is no boogeyman, right? Um, what a revolutionary <laughs> idea! <laughs> but Elaine, he's he's, ri- he's written but, a book. But Elaine Bennis told me there's a boogity man. Oh, so I worry about the boogity man. And yes, that is true. The Great Book of Boston Sports List, yeah, is now uh, crested ten years old. Right so up there tra- with the coffee table book. Hey, listen, uh, there's stuff in there that I'm surprised Fourier hasn't been like, oh, we need to read this on the air. That's pretty ruthless. It's actually a good idea. I was pretty rough on some people. We definitely could not get past that, past censors, so. Oh, we you could. didn't curse. You yeah, didn't no, curse at all. It's just Gotta being. find out how much it costs. It's just being mean. <laughs> it's not like, I didn't say anything offensive. Wait, what's it called again? Uh, the Great Book of Boston Sports List. You could probably get one on Amazon for about a buck. Or I'll bring you, it was like a dollar six. Or, or I'll just bring you a copy tomorrow. I have, uh, four, I have four left out of the collection, so I'll bring you one tomorrow, and that way you okay, can bring me one. Because will you though? Well, yeah, gonna, that's going to be a big deal, no big deal segment. Nick will, Nick, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, because there's some stuff that I wrote in there, including people who used to work here. <laughs> oh, baby, this will be fun. All right, uh, are you done? Hopefully Billy's got something for us next. Watch us, love us. Just follow WEEI on Twitch. Trish and Fourier on WEEI. Now, it's time for... Are you done? Are, are you done? Are you done? Are you done? You done, right? You done, right? Are you done? Are you done? On Crash and Fourier. Tomorrow on our program, no one. Just us. That's not true. No, that's not true. Wait, what do we have tomorrow? Oh, oh Kurt geez. Warner tomorrow. Sorry about that. I <laughs> forgot. Yeah. No, Kurt. What time's Kurt 12 Warner o'clock. tomorrow? Oh, good. 12 o'clock. Kurt Warner at noon. What's on the board? Yeah. Put it on the board. Put it on the board. And then, of course, on Friday, uh, Andrew Raycroft and Louis Merloni yeah. from down in Florida. Settle some family business with Raycroft on Friday. What do you mean? Got some things to go over with him. Oh, you mean that uh, he didn't dunsky you? No. Well, he promised. You heard him. Why have you not leaned on Lou to get one in in a Red Sox game? I will. I am. Have you absolutely? Asked, have you asked Joe Castiglione to change a final call to Dunsky? You know what? We're gonna have to get Joe on the phone. 
And I will, uh, and like, well, how badly pre- would that you'll, suck? You'll proposition a hall, him? A Hall of Fame career, and one of the things he ends up being known for, St. Tunsky. I think maybe. Not, how about I'm sure that? sure he'd be known for it. I wonder if. No, if, it's, if he says it in a, like, in a big moment, it's oh, like that's it's the true. one they replay all the time, um, the Dunsky one. Maybe you got to go to Will Fleming on that on that one. Maybe the Phlegm dog will go, be I'm able gonna to. I'm going to go to the big guy. All right. Go big, I guess. Or can go you home. It? Yeah, it's not. Can you believe it? It's oh my lord, they are Dunsky. Oh my god, the Red Sox are Dunsky. Swing and a pop up. Swing, Red Sox are Dunsky. Swing and a Dunsky. <laughs> it's over. Oh, uh, is, is Billy still there? Did he run to the camp? Uh, no, he's there. Oh, there he's he is, Billy. Are you around. done? I uh, like he slid away, and I'm like, wait, do we gonna keep tap no, dancing no, for four more minutes? Nope. All right, just move to the other corner for a second. Yeah, that's good. Not done. <laughs> He moved to the corner. Yeah. He's like, where'd he go? He's like rolling around on that chair. Nick sent me to the corner for cursing. <laughs> hey, duct tape on your mouth yeah, for exactly. that? Exactly. All right, so we got a uh, world record for you, Fourier. Yeah. Let's go. Line them up. Line them up. Add go. it to the list. Idaho man heads a soccer ball into a target from 53 feet away. David Rush, and this is a guy who I've done several of these on. Oh, it's the same dude. See, same guy. Same so what guy. it is, right, as, uh, as we're learning, this is his... Um, this is his 161st title, World Series, ah, World Series, World Record title. Okay. The record is 182, so he's going for that one. So all these smaller little, uh, you know, challenges are just, a, it's a bigger picture for him. Correct. He's chasing, he's chasing. And does um, he make these up? This, are I, these, mean, I, mean, I, I feel like he so. makes them up. I assume so. I, I assume you, you Google and you say, hey, is there a world record for this? And if there isn't, you set it. Yeah. So, like, you could say, like, hey, holding a, a cup of coffee for, you know, five days. Like, that, you could just create your own record, right? <laughs> yeah, if it's not up there. Yeah. Well, you could. So, well, Christian, you could. you break the world record for world records, it's so easy. Yeah. Um, you only got 180. Can I just do the underwear thing? I'm almost, I'm almost ready. I'm I, when I'm out of rehab. Like two months when right, I'm out of rehab. I'm in rehab. Of, we had one that you didn't have to get out of the chair for with the matchsticks in the nose. Yep. Oh yeah, no, but I openly said I didn't want to do that one. And you could have done I didn't like that one. I don't want to get a splinter. And if you're in a chair, you could do the pencils around the table still. I'm almost ready to do the pencils. I get this boot off next week and I'll be I'll be closer. Closer to hundred percent. But we wait I don't want to play physical therapy. I, yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't want I haven't been cleared to play yet. Yeah, you know what? Keep the box of fifty pencils off order right now. We'll we'll put it in the <laughs> Amazon queue. Wait a couple of months. So could you do it, Christian? Fifty two feet. Five four nine inches away. So basically, when I saw the video of it, it almost looked like it was a free throw line to free throw line. Oh, wait. So all you have to do is kick the soccer head ball, it, head it. Oh, head it, head it, and that's it. That's it. And it can like bounce and roll. No, so it's fifty two feet. You put, so from one barrel, from one oh. free throw line, say so you set up a barrel huh. on the other free throw line. Probably not. Could you head it fifty two? Pro feet? probably not. Soccer's so, not my jam. So uh, three feet in a yard, so you can just go from there. Yeah. No, so the answer's no. At, no, you're, I don't think so. You're looking at about 20 yards. In the air, huh? Yep. Yeah. No, I could probably get half that. I think it'd mess up your hair. No, the hair, but I got to shave my head. Because oh, I have, I have, oh, I have, now the hair's got some I bounce have, to I, it. No, I have cushioning. No, it'll, 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 it'll absorb the ball. It'll absorb the ball. You, you want, you want to be bald and that you want to hit it right Andrew, at the point. This pointy guy part. is bald. See, there you go. Like, you don't want to have hair. You want to be bald. Like, legit, like, razor-thin hair. <laughs> <laughs> like a little landing strip up stop? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. yeah. A little mohawk. Maybe yeah. a little, oh, mohawk. Yeah. Dorito, all, yeah. Dorito, Dorito chip in the back. Two on the mohawk. 
Who did that? Uh, really, you know what the real goal is to see how long I can go without cutting my hair. Just, Here's the thing: Would it be you lose patience with it, or would your wife tell you to cut it before? What would happen first? Me. You would lose patience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your yeah, wife yeah, would yeah, tell you to yeah, get a cut. Yeah, yeah, she would. She. I don't think she cares. She likes the beard and she likes the hair. Yeah. I'll tell she you what. I, I, yeah. Yeah. She a must. Wilderness man. I was yeah, gonna say, big throw on a flannel, guy. carry an axe to the bedroom. <laughs> she must. Just try that one. Brawny man is here. She must care enough for you to get that filled in. It seems like if uh, you know you were going all chrome dome up top. No, I've done that before. You said you'd never shaved your head. Uh, uh, the last time you shaved your head, you were in, what? Oh yeah, some guy. Some, yeah, some guy I was like twenty. I was like twenty years old. Said he could give you a fade, and he screwed up, so you just shaved it off yeah yeah, yeah. i was like see so you're too you are so obsessed with your hair that you would never sh- i would shave my head tomorrow i don't care no but i also know what my head looks like underneath this and i'm not showing that to the world so you're like uh you're like andy hart you feel like you have all these bumps and well a little bit crevices yeah. and i mean valleys. You, i think people know whether they have a head that is worthy of you can shave it or not and some people know it ain't good i know mine won't be Plus, me bald wouldn't look good. You're, you talking ever- like, you're talking like bicking it, not even like a whiffle. Right. Yeah. If I just whatever and just shaved it all down. Oh, sweet Jesus. So you would, never, you would never, you would never, you would never take part in a bet that if you lost. No. You had to shave your head. No, like you did with I'll tell you what. Yeah, he lost. Charity. No. Yeah, there you go. No, you wouldn't do even, for, I for would dying rather kids. write a check. I would dying rather, kids. I was going to say, I would either write a check or I'd rather get beaten with a belt or something or a stick. You may like that. I mean, that's, I mean, what does that mean? Actually, yes, I know. Fine, then I'll do it. I, I mean, mean you, you may like do it, it shirtless and hit me in the back then. Fine, poor, whatever. Some some poor family comes up. Hey, listen, if we can, uh, my, uh, uh, this guy is holding my family hostage. He says the only way he'll let him go is. If you a, shave your head, that's not a would realistic you shave your scenario. Head? It's my scenario. Would what? you not shave your head? I would not. Just tell him yes. We're done. All right, fine. Yes, we're done. Jones and Mego are next. <laughs> Kurt Warner at noon tomorrow. We'll see you at 10 a.m. Thank you for listening. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of colors starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. We all agree that reducing carbon emissions is a good thing. And once again, Toyota is leading the way. We hear a lot about fully electric vehicles, and Toyota has them with more on the way. But we also know a BEV is not for everyone, whether it's because of cost, range, or concern about finding a charging station when you need it. Plus, the raw materials used to manufacture batteries are limited. Enter Beyond Zero, Toyota's vision for a carbon-neutral future in vehicles, and in manufacturing plants, too, in the years ahead. The materials used to make just one long-range battery for an EV could be used to make batteries for six plug-in hybrids or 90 gas-electric hybrids. That's why Toyota's position today is electrified, diversified, empowering you to choose how to reduce your own carbon footprint with the vehicle that's right for you. 
a hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or battery EV. So shop, learn more, and get details at toyota.com slash beyondzero. Toyota, let's go places.